hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Woods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod emergency episode. <laughs> Isha Jerome here alongside the state of Hoppy. Thanks to everyone joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. Uh, episode 70 of the Soda Pod. I say emergency, it's not really an emergency because it's not pressing news, but we just got off the line with Matt Sakaris of TSN 1040. It was a great. Uh, it, it was an outstanding interview. We had a lot of fun catching up with Matt and the interview went you know, quite long that we figured instead of bunching in just a ton of things on a Sunday episode, which episode 71 will come out on Monday. We're recording uh, live on Sunday. Don't you worry. We'll provide all the details for that on Twitter and social uh, later well, in the next couple of days. But we decided hell, we might as well tie up some loose ends. There, there is some hockey news and some topics of the, the state of hockey and I want to get into. And we want to, uh, we want, we don't want anything to be taken away from the great interview we had with Matt Sakaris. Uh, how's it going, Hoppy? It's going great, man. I think you said it all there. Um, no beer tonight because there's no beer poll, so we're having pink Whitney. Atta, but what were you drinking when we were talking to Sakaris, though? Oh, well, that's that's your favorite brewery now. Hell Director. yeah, it is. Great artwork, but it is the long-haired freaky people. Double IPA. Delicious. Um, you know, people on Untapped say that it's overly fruity, and I actually think it's not crazy fruity. It's just very hoppy, a little dank, very, very, like, soft sip, if you know what that means. But Smooth, very smooth. It, it's smooth, but it's, like, almost got a little feel to it. But, okay. no, it, great beer all around. You know, they, I haven't had a bad one from them yet. So, yeah. That's what I like to hear. I was drinking, actually, um, and it's outstanding. I've talked about them before on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yellow Dog Brewing. Um, uh, out of Port Moody, BC, it, it, it's great. And their branding is awesome. Very simple. Um, I, I loved the hazy IPA with the Minnesota Viking colors, the, the purple and gold shout out. This one's cool. Kind of a, a, you know, very simple white and yellow matte type, like a matte sticker, uh, branding, but I really like, this is just a wit ale, 4.8%, uh, 15 IBU. It's outstanding. I, I've never, I, I've never been led astray with the yellow dogs. These dogs have never let me astray, but I need to, I need to drink something. I didn't plan on drinking two beers cause I didn't know we were going to record the podcast after this. And like I said, i where I rigged my webcam. I can't necessarily get out of my, uh, my room easily without having to rejig it. So I'm stuck in here for another uh, 30 minutes or so. I don't know how long we're going to go. I have a, I have a, a very warm, uh, Phillips Little Wonder Wit Ale, which I am going to drink. It, it, if it was the Little Wonder Lager, it would be piss and I wouldn't drink it warm. But since, you know, the Wit Ale actually is pretty good, we'll give it a go warm. It's, it's beer nonetheless. I'm not complaining. Tell me that's the Wonder Woman logo. Um, it's, uh, it, I think it's a play on it for sure because the entire, basically it was a 12-pack 
that had um it, th- actually th- to give uh, the Americans a little shout out. It's the the light beer version of uh, Philip's uh, uh, <laughs> Philip's Little Wonder series, uh, made for Americans and Canadians alike. Who well, the Canadians who can't handle their hard beer. Anyway, oh no, not a four or five percent. A four percent. Oh my you? god, a four percent. So it's a lighter beer. I know even Matt Sakaris, which uh, you'll hear momentarily, folks, that uh, took some shots at the the Americans and their beers. Little does he know. That uh, the state of hockey is also the state of hoppy. But uh, no, shout out Phillips Brewing. We're, we're working something out with them very soon. I got in contact with them. We're either going to do a really cool, uh, well, a really cool interactive Twitter, uh, maybe bracket or, you know, anyways, I'll give you more of the details when the, when the irons are more, uh, or when, the, when everything's kind of more ironed out. But for the, uh, for the time being, really excited to get something going with Phillips. What are you, what are you snacking on there? What do you got going there? I see you snacking. Picnic. Who doesn't like the shoestring picnics? Dude, I don't even up here in Canada. I don't even know what the fuck those are. Are those like hickory sticks or what? I don't know what that means either. <laughs> They're probably so, the same then. It's, <laughs> the it's probably stick. the exact same thing, right? Hickory sticks like the barbecued version of whatever whatever those are. Uh, it's not barbecued. No, that's what I'm it's saying. The, the, the hickory sticks are they're, they're the barbecued version. They're like you can't get them plain. Plain is barbecued. That's what make that, that's where their branding comes from. Anyways, gotcha. well, um, let's get into the show rundown. It's a it's a shorter one today. Like I mentioned, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, well the play-in series. Um, we both have uh, just a comp. We're not gonna run down the NHL awards because realistically, those listening, you don't give a shit about our opinions on the NHL awards. And to be quite honest, I don't really care about the NHL awards enough to give my opinion. They're all bullshit. Exactly, but they're. I have a qualm with one, and so does the state of Hoppy. So we decided that we, we'd highlight that. Uh, obviously, we're going to feature our, our guest this week, uh, Matt Scaris of TSN 1040. And maybe we'll just do a quick rundown on our poll questions and uh, remind everyone that there's a few more days going uh, with those on Twitter. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into uh, some of the hockey talk on this show. And, well, give our predictions for the play-in series, and State of Hoppy, you had a great idea uh, how, to, how to have some fun with this. So I'm going to hand the reins over to you. Yeah, as far as the play-in series go, uh, Isha, I know you're planning on coming out to Minnesota as soon as, well, as soon as I can. we're allowed to cross borders. Yeah. But um, what we're going to do here is both make our picks for each of the play-in series, and obviously if there's a series where we overlap, which is likely to happen, we're going to go to the game specifically. So how many games it takes to end it. And for each one that each of us wins, that's a brewery that we owe the other person a beer. So I like it. Each play in series. We're not sure how we're going to assign them yet, but after the fact, we're going to find a brewery to assign to each series. And at that brewery, well, one of us is going to owe the other a beer. I love it. It's uh. when you proposed this to me, I was fucking pumped and it gets us talking about these playing series. Cause to be honest, like we haven't really ran them down in depth. I think when we first heard about them, we kind of presented them. We maybe have talked about them with some of our guests. I know we talked about them on the after hours show. So maybe that's where a lot of uh, my memories are coming back from, by the way, this Saturday after hours, the time will be disclosed very, very soon. Jump on at hockey pod net on, on Twitter to hear the details about that and a little promo. Um, without further ado, let's, uh, Let's jump right into it. Um, how, how, where do you want to start, Save Hoppy? What series do you want to start with? Holy shit. Um, well, first off, I'm really sad that I won't be there for that. But 
uh, playing series, I say we either start with the East or start with the West and start with the highest seed in either one. So you can run it down. All right. Well, let's, let's start with the, uh, let's start in the East. And, okay. um, so that means Pittsburgh, Montreal. Yeah. Which by the way, if you're a betting man, Pittsburgh minus one, one ninety in this, uh, in this series odds. Um, okay. Well this one, Pittsburgh's taking it and it's going to be a sweep, a clean sweep. Get out the brooms. It's going to be a clean sweep. Okay. Well then Isha, we've got an official bet here because I'm going Pittsburgh in four. Very nice. All right. Here's, here's my take on it, man. So Pittsburgh, whether it's, you know, it's typically speaking regular season, October and November are lackluster. They don't get out of the gate hot. True. Granted, apparently Malkin and Crosby have been all over everyone on the team to like get ramped up, get ready. Like this is serious shit, but I just see Montreal coming out hot. They've got something to prove. They're actually a team that like has good underlying statistics and one of the worst puck luck teams in the league, they could come out in game one and just blow the barn down on Pittsburgh. But then I see Pittsburgh taking the other three. So Pittsburgh and four for me. Look, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that because you're totally right that Montreal could come out and surprise the Penguins, especially Philip Dano, who in my opinion, I mean he yes. he's one of the best shutdown players in the league, and he's gonna be all over Sid. And I'm I'm excited yep. to see that. Well, Sid or Gino, it doesn't really matter. Either or I'm very excited. Um, so to see here's that here's the take. I actually heard something from Shane on Centurion. Okay. He went on with Tip of the Iceberg, which I'm actually going on tomorrow and speaking with those guys. Fuck yeah, download it Monday. But, uh, yep, hit it up, Tip of the Iceberg podcast. They have some of the coolest merch. Um, so Shane had an opinion that I completely agree with, that Gallagher versus which is odd for is Shane to be the matchup. Gallagher, that is a guy who gets under the guy's skin pisses him off, and as soon as Malkin's going to come back and take a swing at him, Gallagher's just going to smile. Like, if he can get Malkin off tilt, which he is known to do, yeah, like, that could go wrong. So I think it's going to be Dano and Gallagher, because they've been a pair together, trying to shut down the Malkin line, which, honestly, like, how do you choose between the Crosby and Malkin lines? But it's going to be interesting to see. I, I have Dano as well being an X factor in that, but I don't know. If you look top to bottom, unless Pittsburgh just completely comes out stale for a couple games, I don't see it going Montreal's way. Well, yeah, because put it this way. Yeah, I, again, I agree with what you said. There, there, there are X factors in this and the underlying, especially shutdown but statistics for the, for the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price is not one of them. No, no, no. I don't know why people are talking about him and saying he's going to be the one that steals the series. Like, no. if we're going to go in a time capsule and look four or five years in the past, then I guess we better watch out for the Nashville Predators too because Pecorino is going to come out and burn people. <laughs> like, Carey Price isn't definitely an adequate goalie. He is not going to win or lose them that series, though. He has not done shit the last couple years. He's fine, but he's overpaid. He is a guy that, like, He's there. He is what he is. The series is going to be won or lost by Pittsburgh and how Montreal matches them and handles them in the transition game. Yeah, because what I was getting at was, yeah, they may, they may have some underlying good numbers, especially you know, shutdown-wise and defensively, but where the hell is their offense going to come from? You know, Philip Deneau 
was second in scoring on this team with 13 goals and 47 points, respectively, but come on, right? But I, I will defend them in this sense, Isha. Like I said before, their puck luck was shit. Like, their bottom echelons of the league as far as, like, shooting percentage, like, all of their players were shooting career lows in shooting percentage, kind of like Dallas this year too, which we're not talking the round robins, but I love Dallas in the playoffs altogether because that's a team that has everything you need. And if they get any level of regression to the norm, they're going to put up some goals. I'm not saying that I expect Montreal to go crazy, but their shooting percentage and their puck luck has to come up at least a little bit. Yeah. And that's fine. But I'm still saying like the talent just isn't there. Like I'm looking yeah. like you look at Dallas versus Montreal. Like, I'm sorry. You got the, starting with T- Tyler Sagan head to head against Thomas Tatar. Like it's, right. it's apples and oranges, my friend. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> um, but okay, cool. I like how we, we kind of came to the same conclusion, but we still, we still have a bet going. I like it. I like it. You better yep. be writing this down. Cause I ain't. Oh, um, I'm writing down right now. <laughs> Trust me, I'm looking down. Awesome. Uh, let's move right along. The New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes. This one is going to be a fun one. Um, this one's hard yeah. to predict because so this is a fun one though for us particularly, Isha. Because I think this is Minnesota versus Vancouver on steroids. You know what? That's such a good point because there's there's that goaltending um, storyline to it as well because. In my opinion, Carolina on paper, their forward and defense group is is unbelievable, especially their defense group. Now, their defense is probably one of the best defense cores in the National Hockey League. Shit, I'd yep. say they're even better than the Minnesota Wild as far as depth goes. Like, no, I'll run it down I, I think they're right on par with each other. And to your point, they are a very strong blue line, strong balance. New York, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to cut credit. in. New York did not yep. have a strong blue line this year. They, they didn't. It was bad. It was very bad. No, no, right. That's whoa, whoa. I'm talking about Carolina here. Okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were going to jump. No, no, no. Into, I'm, jump I'm saying into New York. when you're saying that they're way like they're better than Minnesota. Let's just call them comparable. Okay, okay. That's fine, especially because we don't know how Dougie Hamilton's coming back. Sure. And then you look at the balance of their forwards. It's very similar to Minnesota, except for that first line of Carolina is just exponentially better than and they're Minnesota's. They're so young line. too, right? But they have very, very questionable goaltending. Very questionable. So that's where we flip over to New York being Vancouver in that they have two lines that can play at a very high level, especially if you're splitting up Zabanajad and Panarin. The blue line is suspect, just like Vancouver. The goaltending is much stronger than the opponent, just like Vancouver. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I said this to Pete Jensen, who, uh, spoiler alert, working on trying to set something up with him tomorrow for uh, a quick interview before the series launches. You know, he agrees that every single goalie for the Rangers is better than Mrazek. Like, they, they've got the goaltending edge no matter which way it falls. Yeah, no, you're but right. My take is the Rangers are worse than the Canucks, and – the Hurricanes are better than the Wild. I'm taking the Hurricanes. I'm torn between four and five games. I want to see what your thoughts are right now. Ooh, I'm taking – I mean, it's hard because, A, I want to contest you in some some way, shape, or form. But, man, I agree with you too much on this episode. God damn it. Um, I do give Carolina the edge as well. 
I do think they're going to get burned in the goaltending department. Not necessarily. I like, I don't think Peter Mrazek or if they go with James Reimer is going to completely uh, melt down, but I just don't think, um, I don't know. They're not in in season form, so it's a crapshoot. All right, well, I'm going Carolina in five. So I'll you can ca- either agree with me and we'll call it a wash, or you got to go with something else. Four. Carolina in four. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose a couple bets. I'm, I already feel it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, but for the sake of this exercise, I'm going. I'm going another sweep. I'm going to. Hey, you know what? There, there can be a couple that we agree on, and we're both just smart. I know. I know. I know. And <laughs> we'll probably get well, to one next. I'm just saying, because uh, the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. This, honestly, to me, is the hardest one to predict. Yeah, Flat it is. out, like, like, there's closer series, in my opinion. I, I personally think that Minnesota-Vancouver and Calgary-Winnipeg are the closest series. Like, I think those both go potentially five games. This one could be a clean sweep either direction, and it wouldn't shock me. So you've got the security of Barry Trotz and a team that is just consistent on every level. Then you've got the Panthers who have arguably better top end talent in every phase of the game. But no, they do. I wouldn't even say it's an worse. argument. They do. They do have top, top end talent. Like Bobrovsky can't do worse than he did in the regular season. That's You're looking true. at the same or better, which like, who knows this break might be all he needed to reset. And I know Trotz is, like, the playoff guy. Oh, he's unbelievable. Look, look at who you got on the other bench, man. Yeah, no, that, that is true, man, with, with Lindy Ruff. Or, sorry, so not Lindy I've, I've Ruff, got, with uh, Joel Quenville. Lindy Ruff, whoa. Joel Quenville, Joel Quenville, sorry. Neil Villapiano is going to burn you at the stake. Well, I'm letting you go first here, man. I've gone first both times so far. Yeah, well, I mean – I think that the Islanders have the edge in this one only because you said it, the, 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 the trots factor. I think that defensively, okay, put it this way. The Islanders, they have, they have tools to score and run offense. will run offense first play if they, if they need to. We saw that before Barry Trotz uh, took over this team. This year, he implemented his style of play, tightened things up, and played the game to win rather than to score. Now, I'm not saying coaches play to score rather to win, but he was very much tight, tight hockey first, you know, scoring after, where we saw, you know, the likes of Matt Barzell's points uh, diminish a little bit this year. And anyone who listens to Spitting Chicklets know, are familiar with Biznasty going off about how, in his mind, you know, he'd be pissed if he was Matt, in Matt Barzell's shoes because, you know, this year he's, he's playing for a, a contract extension and, you know, going into negotiations now his points are going to be lower, but it wasn't a result of him necessarily uh, playing, you know, lesser. Yeah. It was just him playing to the system. Long or the short of it, I do think that there's just more tools on this team. I think there's more depth. And though the Florida Panthers have outstanding, outstanding uh, top-end talent in regards to scoring, and, you know, the wild card in Sergei Bobrovsky, which is funny even calling him a wild card since he was one of the best goaltenders in the league just last year. Um, I do give the edge to the New York Islanders, and I think that they'd take this one in five. All right, let's make this fun. This is the first one that we're going to disagree on. I'm going to go Florida in five. But I will say on your comments there, I agree with a lot of it. I am a strong proponent for Billy Guerin 
offer sheeting Barzell. Ooh, dude, me too. You give 100%. him just a shade under that top tier where you have to give up four firsts. I would absolutely give up two firsts, a second, and a third to sign that guy to a contract and be your first line center. No questions asked. No and questions asked. New York Islanders are in a cap crunch to the extent, you know, check Jay Fresh Hockey. He talks about it weekly, it seems like. They can't afford shit. They are in such a cap crunch. That's going to be a tough move for them to make if they're even willing to make it to begin with. Because that's we're talking like that's borderline 10 and a half mil. Oh, dude, Mars, Barzell is starting at $10 million. If, if, right. if Elias hey, Pedersen... He'll, take, in, he'll in, take that 10 and a half. Yeah, well, in Vancouver, in, in the Vancouver Canucks market, you know, people, you know, the experts are saying that Elias Pedersen's contract extension is going to start at an annual rate of $10 million. Man, Barzell came into the league in his rookie season and put up 85 fucking points. You don't think this guy's going to make starting $10 million either? Oh, man, he's going to make 10 north even. So, yeah, I... He's going to make bank, and you're right. If, if the Islanders can't fit him in, I mean, and I think, of course, Minnesota should try to sign this guy. Hey, quick shout-out, Joey Neto, only person watching, so he says. Um, well, shout-out, Joey. Apparently, Lyndon Wood, my uncle David Martin, and Jordy Cunningham drop, dropped in as well. But, uh, but you may be right. Your boy may be the only one currently uh, watching us right now. So thanks for tuning in, uh, my friend. Um. All right, let's uh, let's let's keep this ball rolling. Columbus and Toronto. Um, I'm going with my heart on this one, uh, and I think the Columbus Blue Jackets take this one. Ooh, do yes. I think, do I think I they like this? Do Here I think they? Do I honestly think they sweep the Maple Leafs? No, but I want to see them win. I think they can. Well, the shit, they have the ability, even with a diluted roster. We've seen what Torts has been able to bring out of them this year. Zach Rensky is one of the best defenders, and he's also American. I give it to the Columbus Blue Jackets in five. Okay. Doesn't matter what games I'm picking because I'm going Toronto. <laughs> you look, just look at their roster, skill, bar none. They are better than Columbus. Granted, I'll give you that Tortorella absolutely has that edge where he is going to get the best out of those players. They're going to play a grittier game. It's going to be a good series. Yep. No Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to shut down Matthews. I'm telling I mean, you right now. That you think that he could possibly stop the Lady Bing nominee, but oh God. Um, honestly, man, like you look at how the Leafs have performed. If they get average Freddie Anderson, if they get average of their top two lines and they get Morgan Riley playing okay, they've got their blue line healthy too. Like, Barry's no slob. Neither is Muzzin. Like, this is a stacked team. And guess what? Their one negative, just ask Jake Gardner, is playing in front of the Toronto fans. Well, guess what? They get the benefit of playing at home, and they don't have any fans in good the fucking point. building. No, honestly, man, good point. Because... That's in their favor. Yeah, so no. I'm, I mean, we'll, we'll say 5-2, because I do think it'll be an interesting series. But yeah. either way, I'm going Toronto, so we're just on opposite sides of this. Yeah, I like it. I like, and again, I'm, I'm voting with my heart here. Okay. Cause, cause Toronto is the better team. No doubt. They're the better team, but I've seen Toronto choke just like the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, yes, but so they also just, have Tampa Bay choking last year being the wake up call. You know, you can't sleep on the Columbus blue jackets now. Cause what they did last year, even losing Panarin and Bobrovsky, who we've already touched on. 
I think yeah, he's no, no, better goaltending without Bobrovsky. You're right, and I mean Barry can't play much worse. You know, he, he didn't he didn't have a good year in a contract year, no less. Well, I mean, the COVID kind of got shit to prove. COVID kind of ruined everybody's contract year. Petrangelo's probably yeah. kicking himself he didn't sign that extension early. But anyways, oh, I think I think Petrangelo will do just fine. Barry might be in trouble. Barry might be in trouble. Yeah, you're right. That that's a conversation for. Well, I'm actually excited for when we get our uh, free agent talk going here in a, in a few months, eh? Oh, yeah. That's going to be – I mean, again, that's like Christmas to us uh, hockey fans. Um, Arizona and Nashville. Um, you know my stance on this one. Nashville, stand up, baby. Shout out, ripping Biscuits. Um, oh, actually? Yeah, I'm oh, going Nashville, shit. man. Okay. I th- they tremendously – underperformed this year if you look this at this is their... way more fun than i thought it was gonna be man we're disagreeing <laughs> more than i thought dude if you look at their center depth they are every every center they have is a second line center when they're playing to their ability if they can rise up and not play like <laughs> shit like they played this year in the regular season they are one of the deeper teams at the center position and i'm not even talking about their defense yet um nashville all the way i think that they could actually win this one in four all right, so I get what you're saying with, like, if you look at just names, Nashville and a landslide, right? But, like, We're it's going not clean just this, here, man. It's, Everyone's it's been arrested. Just, but it's not just this season. Look at last season. This team underperformed two years in a row. Different coach. They, they decide, hey, I don't Different know if coach. that's a benefit. I don't know <laughs> if that's a benefit. How is, what has Heinz proven to anyone? That was the weirdest coach signing that I've ever seen. I'm not going to contest that, but I'm just saying, for the sake of argument, it's different than no, last no, year because they have a different coach. It is a different coach. We don't know what's going to happen, but, like, by all means, at best, they swapped out and made an even trade for coach. They haven't done shit the last two years on offense. That blue line is number one in the league, zero questions asked. I won't debate that. But I think that Arizona has a top – five, six, seven defense that matches pretty well against a team that's struggling offensively. You sure, look but- at the forward groups, both have struggled. Like both are underperforming. If you get Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel going, holy shit. Like I could say the same thing himself. I could say the same thing for Matt Kessel Duchesne. was getting used to a new stick. Like that's like weird things that can fuck with a guy scoring. Like, they have good top-end talent. They've got okay depth on their forward groups. And guess what? Back to Vancouver, Minnesota, it's not even a discussion between the goaltending groups. And that's where it ends for me. I think that the teams are very, like, very comparable. Both underachieving offenses, both top-tier defenses, even though I'll definitely give the edge to Nashville. But are you going to take Pecorine and Yusuf Saros over – what they have in Arizona, both no. those goalies are better than both of them. True, but fuck, I would pick Yossi Soros and Pecorina regardless if I, if I had to. I mean, I don't think this is Pecorina's series to win. Anyways, I think, I think the reins are handed over to Yossi Soros because he was the better goalie this year. He played more games, yeah. and he is, you know, he's the future anyways. And to go for, back to what you said about offense, yeah, true. If Kessel rises to the occasion, he's obviously going to be a dominant player. But shit, man, if Matt Duchesne and the likes of Victor Arvidsson, who had a horrible right. season this year, rise to the occasion as well, you know, I could, you know, I could throw the same See, argument that, your way. That's my point, though, Isha, is that both teams have that it factor. Both offenses won't get Nashville's worse. Nashville's deeper, though. Nashville's deeper. And that's why I give them the edge. They have okay, more that's, tools. That's fair. That is fair. But I will still absolutely take either goalie in Arizona 
over Soros. You hear that, Richie? Landslide. You hear that, Richie? <laughs> He's not even tuning in on the live stream, but I know okay. he'll, uh, so, he'll hey, pop by later. I got Arizona. You got Nashville. Let's do I it. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, well, we already know the we already know this one, so we can go by pretty quickly. Uh, Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks. I got Minnesota. You got Vancouver. Yeah, man, but I got it in five. I love how the uh, the person from the Vancouver region is uh, taking Minnesota, and uh, the you know the state of Hoppy is taking the the Vancouver Canucks. Who's the fool, listeners? Hey, I guess we'll find hey. out. It's called integrity. <laughs> I'm just excited to see where it plays out because man, this is like starting the playoffs on such a high for, for me personally. Um, not to say that it's going to go down from there because I'm going to follow whatever team continues. It's uh, I just love gambling. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of, let's move right along to uh, arguably one of the, cl- arguably the closest series outside the Vancouver Canucks and Minnesota wild. You alluded to it earlier, the Winnipeg jets and yep. the Calgary flames, their betting odds are smack dab. Even. At, uh, oh really? Minus I've seen it different, but I, I want you to go first because I keep on going first. Um, man, I uh, I think the Winnipeg Jets for this one. And uh, Damn it. okay, and, is that is that what you're going with as well? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you why, and maybe we we agree. Um, I think offensively, Winnipeg uh, has a slight edge in regards to their depth, but Calgary's top end scorers when they are playing to the best of their abilities. I think um, not only match, but have a little bit of the edge, but like I said, depth wise, the Winnipeg. I actually disagree. I think that there's more depth to the Calgary forward group, but you look at the top end of Winnipeg there, you can't find a group of more underrated players. If you look at Shifley and you look at Ehlers, like those are two guys that should be borderline household names that get, very well, limited recognition. You you say that, but up here in Canada, and I'll say I'll speak from a Canadian perspective. Okay, well, they I'm they don't. Down here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's interesting we bring that up because I I kind of like that. Up here in Canada, there's not necessarily a magnifying glass like there is on Toronto with Winnipeg, but them being one of the, like the newer teams back in the National Hockey League, um, TSN Sports that you know the Canadian broadcasts uh, companies they very much highlight a lot of what goes on in Winnipeg. So personally i don't find them over uh, underrated okay, I, I think if anything argument, if, oh, one one sec i think if yeah. anything the 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 second third line scores in calgary are the ones that get overlooked by the national media up here in canada agreed i agree with that because that's what i'm saying i think that they have the depth but my point especially nikolai ehlers is a guy that i beat the drum for hard like three years straight i've won money betting the over on his point total for the year Nice, nice. Like, he is a no, guy. He's consistent as hell, man, 100%. Is, he's such a good player. No one gives him recognition. And again, Shifley, everyone knows he's a great player, but he doesn't get heralded as a number one center like some other guys do in the league. I was super down on Winnipeg coming into the year with the way that their blue line was decimated. Like, I wasn't quite sold on Hellebuck yet. They got Lucas. I thought Spiza. they were going to miss the playoffs be a pretty mediocre team, but now that they're in, Hellebuck is running the way that he has been all season. He he is definitely the Vesna winner, if not a contender for the heart. I know he didn't get nominated, but like that guy carried them and willed them into the playoffs if that's what it took, but at least in an okay spot in the play-ins, like that is going to beat whatever Calgary has with the scoring upside that they have. Like when you look over at Calgary, 
again, they've got good players. We don't know what's happening with Johnny Gaudreau right now. We lost Hamannick on the back end, and I don't fully trust the goaltending of Talbot. Like, I'm well, he's not even their top goalie, man. They're gonna run with David Ridge. I, I'm I'm very confident. Ridge too. I don't care. Or sorry, yeah, you're right. Ridge is the <laughs> starter. I'm yeah. not sold on Ridge either. Sorry. No, and you know what? If we're going to go goaltending matchup, 100%. The Winnipeg Jets have that edge. Um, defensively, I'd say with the loss of Hamannick and just the play of Calgary's defense this year versus the year before, I still give the slight edge to them, but Winnipeg, oh, they're, they're... I agree. All, but they're, the edge but is Winnipeg, with Calgary, but not nearly as much as before. Yeah, because Winnipeg's, at least their back end is offensive. They may not have good defensive numbers and their underlining numbers on defense aren't good. I mean, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. However, Calgary, they're not the Calgary Flames defense of two years ago or even last year when Mark Giordano, um, you know, was, was having an outstanding season. And I love Mark Giordano, even from someone who's a Canucks fan. I've always respected that guy. His story is unbelievable. And we'll get into that, you know, uh, on a, on a different day. Um, yep. I, I still, yeah, I just have to give the Winnipeg Jets because uh, I think they're the yeah, edge just because I think they're deeper. I'm looking at the Calgary Flames roster right now, and I, I do respect their second and third line. Don't get me wrong. I think Mike Michael Backlund doesn't get the credit he deserves as a second, third line center, um, you know, at the age of 30. But I do think Sean Monaghan is a little overrated as this guy. Yeah, he can score, but he's always played with pretty decent players around him. And, uh, and he's not the smartest hockey player as far as having natural hockey sense. Now, I don't want to take anything away from this young center, but I don't think he's as bona fide as a top center as the likes of Mark Shifley. Yeah, or, no, I, you know. I actually like that a lot, man, because I was about to battle you on it, but you're right. It's, he's not smart, but I think that his skills are underrated. Yeah, okay. I, I can get on that train for sure. You know who I love on Winnipeg too, by the way, is Matthew Perot. Former, <laughs> yep. former Washington Capital. This guy just brings the fucking heat when he's playing. And respectable career, man. You know, coming yep. out of Washington, especially when he put up that 30-point season in 64 games, everyone kind of said, well, you know, he's, he was on the ice with better players. You know, Washington, they have that talent. Regardless if he's playing a third or fourth line role, he's still going to be able to get some points. But he moved on to Anaheim and then Winnipeg and still was a 40, a 30 to 40 point player um, playing, you know, the, the nasty game, playing the, the third line agitating role. I, I really respect Matthew Pro even at the age of 32. I know he didn't have a great season this year, but I think that he's going to bring, you know, if we're talking about X factors like we did in, in some of these other series breakdowns, he's going to bring in X factors for the, the yeah. Winnipeg Jets. So what, what's the call then? Uh, Winnipeg in, what did I say? In, uh, Winnipeg in five. Mm. Fine. I'll go four. Just to contest me. <laughs> I don't want to be the first one that matches. Fair it's gotta enough. be you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, you know, and we'll, uh, we'll get into the matchups as, uh, well, as the play in round ends and we learn more about this, you know, actually we'll do a, how about we do the, the top four seeding teams on Sunday and we'll get into that. Cause I think, you know, th there's a conversation to had there. I mean, this, I don't want to say this conversation got heated, but I feel like we're missing a series still. Uh, what am I missing here? Oh, of course. Damn. I don't know why I missed this. Um, Oilers, Blackhawks. Why am I missing this here? Anyways. Oilers, Blackhawks. Um, man, this one, 
for me, anyways, I, I want to, I just, I fucking hate the Oilers and the Blackhawks. So for me, this one's just so hard. Um, I hate the Blackhawks more. Yeah. I, I want to, you know, to be honest, I hate the Oilers more and it's more just because I just roll my eyes at the franchise um, yeah. and, and how it, you know, everything that's played out with them in the last decade or so. Um, I, I hated the Chicago Blackhawks when I was really, really like enthralled in being a Vancouver Canucks fan. Now, of course, I still love the team, but I'm more of just a hockey fan in general. Um, let me just get the rosters up here. I think that the Edmonton Oilers overall are the better team. Um, so I think that they are going to win this one, but it's hard to bet against Patty Kane, man. It really is. Cause he's one of those players that I don't think gets the recognition of being on the same level of like an Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin. I think he's there. And when you have, when you have those players surrounded by other players who they make better, that is dangerous. But on the flip side, when you're talking about Edmonton, they have those players too, and they're a deeper team. So I'm going Edmonton. I was just going to say, they've, they've got two Patrick Canes over there. They exactly. <laughs> and they have the better goaltending. They have slightly the better defense. I'm going Edmonton because, you know, Corey Crawford, he's past his prime, and he's I don't think he's even practiced with the team yet. And I could be mistaken there, but I know there's been some complications. So, so Edmonton and how many? Man, I, I, honestly, shit, man. They could sweep this. Put it this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that they sweep this one, but it's either going to be a sweep or Chicago's really going to give it to them and it's going to go the distance. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Same I way. I mentioned a sweep too. So if Crawford, like if we knew he was playing, I'd be more, be more inclined to say four or really five. Really though? But really? I, he, I don't even think He's not playing so. right now. Yeah, but I don't even think so because it's really, is he going to be, like you said, Carey Price isn't going to make no, a difference. No, no, I, I, I don't he's think he's going to win the series, man, but I think that this is going to be a series that I bet the over on every game. Um, Once it becomes a five to four shootout, like all bets are off. Like, I, just I don't wanna... think that either goaltending side is better. I do think that obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl are better than Chicago, but Chicago at least has more players than Kane that can contribute. Like you look at Edmonton, they've got that dry side line and they've got McDavid. The bottom six, not that great in my opinion. Whereas hmm. Chicago, yeah, they're not amazing. Neither team has the blue line, but you've got at least like three lines that can compete and score. So you could see those games being five, four games, six, five games, even. You don't I'm, know who's going to come out on top of that. I'm going to throw this right out there. With the way Dave Tippett coaches, uh, there ain't, there ain't going to be no six fucking five games, man. Because whether McDavid or Dreisaitl like it or not, if, if that's the way it's going, Tippett's going to tighten things up. And I think that's another X factor. This guy knows how to play defensive, how to you know dish out a defensive structure. And When's if the, the Chicago, last time he coached in the playoffs? Fair, but... The Chicago Blackhawks, I'm not going to contest you. They can put up the goals, but their oh, defensive right. structure sucks. It is right. bad, man. I'm not talking from the defense. I'm talking from the forwards, too. I'm just saying. That, no, that's how I view it for both teams, though. I do agree. And that was just me being a contrarian. Like, I agree no, that tip I like the it. X-Factor here up. for sure. But, like, you can only do so much with the talent you have there. Their blue line isn't great. Chicago's isn't either. Chicago's defensive structure altogether is pretty garbage. I completely agree that Edmonton's going to win. I was going to go sweep. 
but might as well make the final one again be a split decision. So I'm going to go with four. All right. I love it. Okay. Just to wrap things up, you were taking notes. Let's run down uh, our prediction and our little, uh, our little wager we got going on here. Yeah. So starting in the East, we have Pittsburgh versus Montreal. I have Pittsburgh in four. You have Pittsburgh in a clean sweep. I honestly hope you're right. Sweep them. We have the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. I have Carolina in five. You have Carolina in four. Then we have the New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. We're both going with five. I've got Florida. You've got New York. And so, you know, what's great about that is a series that I really at first didn't give a fuck about. Now I'm going to be like watching <laughs> so intently. To me. <laughs> that was the series that I had written off already. I'm like, well, I don't care if I watch this. Hey, now we have, now we have something. Yeah. Now we have something to, well, we have something at stake. We've got another five and five Toronto Columbus. I'm taking Toronto and five. You're taking Columbus and five. I'm scared for this one, folks. Again, Dude, this I, one, totally, I bet with my I heart. I totally get where you're coming from. I, I do, bet with my heart. But uh, up here in yeah. Canada, you, you know what? Like we just, I fucking hate Toronto. <laughs> Everything about it. I hate that's the fair. team. I can't stand the city. The people, they are right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're on to the Western Conference. Uh, the one that I thought we were going to agree on that we don't agree on at all. This is going to be fun. We're going to have to bring Corey and Richie on. We're going to have to bring oh, yes. the Ribbon Biscuit folks on and just have a big six-person powwow here because I'm, I'm on Arizona. You were on Nashville. And you were even to say up. in four. In four. Yeah. I mean, it's probably five, not going to happen. Either way, I'm going Arizona. So. The four is probably not going to happen. I'm just... Uh... It's not relevant. If Nashville wins, you get it, man. Exactly. So that's why I figured go all in. Go all in on that one. That was um, before you knew what I thought about Arizona. <laughs> I'm still going I'm still going all in on that one. Um, I, again, We've already talked about Minnesota and Vancouver enough to bore everybody. So yeah, me, Vancouver, you, Minnesota. And then we've got Winnipeg, Calgary. I wanted to go Winnipeg in five, but I'm stuck at Winnipeg in four to be the contrarian, and you got Winnipeg in five. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then Edmonton, Chicago, even though we we fought way more than we should have for a series we completely agree on. And but... a series I forgot about <laughs> right off the bat as well. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. But uh, I went Edmonton four. You went Edmonton three. Oh, man. I'm excited for this great idea that you brought forth um just some activity here on facebook live uh my friend jordan uh hallback from uh, alberta shout out buddy this guy's awesome just quick backstory i met a group of boys in mexico i went there with my family they went out there on a uh just a boys trip and we ended up hanging out we became friends and since we're only like an hour or two away from each other in alberta we ended up like hanging out after uh they brought me to uh, a party out in their parts i brought them over to calgary took them out and uh we haven't stayed in touch too much, but it was an awesome friendship. He actually jumped on and said, uh, what did he say here? He said, because uh, Talbot sucks. I love it. I love it. Um, Shane Van Ice joined. He said, yo, I'm donating blood tomorrow. Shane, make sure to drink a lot of water. Um, he also says the Raptors are legit best run team in the NBA. Hey, they're still champions, so can't argue with that. Um, let's, uh, let's take a break here from, uh, from myself in the state of hoppy talking and bring on Matt Sakaris, 
host of the Sakarison Price Show on TSN 1040 Vancouver. Uh, Minnesota Wild fans listening to this podcast, look them up on your podcast app, the, the Sakarison Price Show. Um, you know, for the next few weeks, they're going to be talking a ton of Minnesota Wild talk. They're going to bring on Minnesota Wild guests. And like Matt says on the interview, really breaking down the X's and O's of the series this next couple of weeks. So give them a follow um, and uh, subscribe and download to, if not all you know, the radio show in its entirety to the Minnesota wild base segments. Cause they bring on Michael Russo every now and then as well. And Matt, it was just such a pleasure to talk to a eh? state of hoppy. No, absolutely. Definitely a great guy to chat with. So without further ado, uh, Matt Scaris. You're listening to the hockey podcast network, your home for hockey talk, covering every team in the NHL new episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, everybody, we have a great guest for you this week. We are joined by former sports correspondent for the Globe and Mail, a Carleton University School of Journalism graduate. He's covered Olympic Games, Super Bowls, Grey Cups, the Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA Finals, you name it. He's currently the host of the Sakarison Price Show on TSN 1040 Vancouver. It is an honor to have the man who recently shook up the hockey world in a recent report on Minnesota boy Brock Besser on the Soda Pod here today, Mr. Matthew Sakaris. How are you today, sir? Fellas, thanks for having me. Thank you for that introduction, Isha. Well, uh, I look forward to talking hockey with you, and I look forward to this play-in series between the Canucks and the Wild. Yeah, it's uh, it, Matt, personally, for someone who's covering the Minnesota Wild for a podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, but who's from Vancouver Island and a fan of the Canucks, I couldn't ask for a better series. I don't really have a stake in either of them. I, either, you know, I, I want to see both the teams succeed. Uh, Isha, you couldn't have done it any better here, huh? Like, this is hitting the jackpot for you. Absolutely. Uh, you got exactly the series you need at exactly the time you need it. And the question, uh, the question now becomes, can you make the best of it? Don't screw it up, Isha. All right? <laughs> this would be a, you know, like, this is a sitter into an open net right now for right. you. I know. I'll do I'm happy to join you and I have done um, – a podcast before so uh, uh i was happy to to see her invite and join you again oh thank you we really appreciate it and this time i'm joined by my co-host who's actually on the ground in minnesota here the state of hoppy and uh, before we get into hockey talk here matt i mean i was born on vancouver island i live here today but i grew up in prince george bc and i also worked you know various practicums there in, in the childcare field hell my father and sister still live and work up there I know that you recently visited uh, Prince George. Uh, how was your first experience uh, in, uh, in northern BC in our beautiful province, my friend? Uh, I was led astray on Prince George. I was it's told a bad it rep. Smells. It did not smell. Uh, at least it did not smell for the five or six days that, that we were there. It was a lot greener and prettier than I thought. I thought, I guess I, in my mind, I had it a little bit more industrialized than what I actually saw. There's some beautiful views uh, and vistas up there. Um, and I did get my photo with Mr. PG, who was the number one roadside tourist attraction in the province of British Columbia. Um, so that made it all worthwhile. We had a great time. It, it does get a bad rep, kind of like Nanaimo here on the island, though they're both beautiful cities, in my opinion. And, I ha and I've been to Nanaimo just a couple of times, Isha, and not for a while, but hey, Nanaimo's on the coast, and 
uh, it's kind of hard to screw that up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, State of Hopper, you, you had something to ask Matt there. Yeah, Matt, I'm sure it doesn't shock you that all Isha can talk about is how great yeah. the beer is out in BC, you know, particularly on Victoria Island. But yeah. uh, <laughs> how do you stack it up against some of the other hotspots in Canada, even across the U.S., if you've been to any of them? Where is it stacked well, up? Well, first of all, I am beginning to wonder whether Isha was able to finagle some dollars out of tourism BC to make this podcast happen, given the first two questions I get are about our fair province. Hey, I'm trying. I'm, uh, I'm trying. I'm sure the people of Minnesota are thrilled with all this. I mean, Prince George, Minnesota. If you haven't been to Prince George, uh, here's your shot. Um, no, I mean, there's a. I grew up across Canada. There's a reason I, I moved here to Vancouver. Uh, like for me, it's Canada's best city in an absolutely uh, amazing province. So uh, I'm happy to be here. I was I was counting it up because I have been to Minnesota. Alas, I have only been in the in the uh, airport it is one of the few states that i haven't set foot on the ground and done some uh exploring and i've been to like 42 43 states somewhere in there um so i've never had the pleasure uh but i sure i sure hope that changes at some point because it is uh you know it is a place where hockey lives and breathes and i'd like to be able to experience that on on american and minnesota terms once well, when you come, I'll definitely be able to give you some recommendations on breweries to stop at, but uh, it, only if this doesn't get you in trouble with, you know, sponsors over there. Uh, are there any well, breweries that you would tell me to prioritize next time I come out and visit there, Ceesha? You see, the good thing is, is I don't think we'll have any trouble with the sponsors conflicting across the border <laughs> because there are some similarities in quality, uh, or sorry, some differences in quality of beer between our two fair nations, as any Canadian will tell you. So I will take whatever micro recommendation you've got when we get to Minnesota. And uh, of course, as Isha knows, we're, uh, we're pretty spoiled when it comes to brewers here uh, in a craft part of the world. So Matt, with news of the National Hockey League um, allowing for more relaxed dress code going into this play-in and, and playoff series, um, well, and the likes of actually young stars as Elias Pedersen, Austin Matthews being vocal about, well, their excitement for it. What are your thoughts on this, on just the NHL dress code in general? Not the lax one, but the one implemented uh, throughout a regular season. And, and did you see what the Minnesota Wild issued uh, their players via email today? I believe Wyatt uh, tweeted it earlier today. Uh, I didn't see that. I did see the story about how they're going to be wearing team issue golf shirts and black slacks. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I saw what Greg Wyshynski tweeted from ESPN and I thought it was so funny that, you know, in a world of no dress code, the hockey player's first instinct was to find a way to implement a dress code <laughs> and how, you know, that's not really a fun league thing to do, right? Like, I think there's the opportunity for all sorts of creativity here. I think there's the opportunity for a team rallying point if you do the lack of dress code correctly. I mean, we heard a story years ago about Glenn Gullis and the Calgary Flames. Road trip from Montreal to Ottawa and said, hey, guys, back in the old days, they used to travel by train. Let's travel by train. All right. And then they all decided to put, put on like period suits sort of thing, like the type of suits that a team would wear back in the days of Jean Beliveau or Rocket Richard or something like that, uh, and had a great old time. We've had some beers on the train, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, won the game in Ottawa the next night, won a, a whole bunch of games in a row. So 
I think you have the chance to do something with this that isn't just fashion, um, perhaps, uh, that has some real impact on your hockey team, particularly in a short series, particularly coming out of a break uh, from which nobody is familiar, right? Like uncharted waters, you don't have a great idea of how everything is going to go down here. I think, you know, be prepared for some upsets, be prepared for some uh, uh, jarring news about players and health and different things like that mm-hmm. as we go through, as we go through these playoffs. So um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the dress code at the uh, best of times. And I think given the rare opportunity, what they've got here before them, I think there's a chance for a team to separate himself, to separate itself or a player to separate himself. Um via what they wear to the rink and all, what we all see on television in those pregame shots. Yeah, I mean, I remember when uh, the Canucks played uh, a preseason game in uh, overseas in China. Uh, I remember images of Eric Branson, actually, when he was with the team. That's at the right. Time. Yeah, sporting the kind of the, the traditional uh, Chinese-style suit. Um, and, you yeah. know, that's, that's etched in my memory because that's one of the only times in recent years where, you know, the yeah. hockey world kind of branched out into – I don't even want to say NBA – quarters because i think of you know russell westbrook and fishnets when i go down that road but anyways <laughs> um let's move right along with some more hockey talk here um i know the state of hoppy since you know he's not as familiar with judd brackett wanted to inquire about that well wow. yeah i mean obviously his impact on the vancouver canucks is apparent through some of you know the talent that they've drafted in his tenure but maybe you can just let the good people of minnesota know who exactly is the minnesota wild getting here yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a young guy who's had a meteoric rise through a couple of different administrations with the Vancouver Canucks. He was, he was hired as a part-time scout in New England uh, way back when by the previous regime here, uh, General Manager Mike Gillis. Um, he was not only kept by the Jim Benning, Trevor Linden regime when they took over, but he was elevated very quickly. Uh, excuse me. He was... Um, he was made director of scouting at a very young age. Isha may have her from was like early 30 sort of thing and ahead of a lot of advanced scouts. And uh, he wound up overseeing some pretty good drafts for the Vancouver Canucks. He wound up finding some players uh, who have turned into real assets here and some players who are still on the come. He's got a big uh, network, it would seem, and expertise with the USHL player. Uh, a lot of the best Canucks finds, like Brock Besser, Minnesota Zoe, late in the first round, was out of the USHL. Adam Gaudet, who's a player for them now, a Hobie Baker winner, was out of the USHL. Um, and some other players, like I mentioned, some still in the pipeline, um, who, uh, who have turned out and, and have been some of the better Canuck draft picks here. So, uh, yeah, no, for some people, Judd Brackett going over there will be, and, you know, laterally, if, you know, he, he moved uh, straight across to the director of scouting role. Um, that this will be a good, this will be a good hire. That this will be a guy who oversees some terrific drafts. But you know, the thing about that is, scouting staffs work so differently, league to league, in terms of the interaction. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you're asking a head amateur scout to be a people manager more than you are to be a talent evaluator. So we shall see about that side, uh, and we sh- and we shall see how he does in Minnesota based on what they ask him to do in this role. Well, we no, saw that's when- fair. And, and on the flip side too, I mean, what do you see being the impact moving forward then on Vancouver? Well, um, 
they haven't uh, officially replaced them in name, I don't think, um, uh, or in title, uh, I think. Uh, but I think there's some internal can candidates who are ultimately rise or one will ultimately rise the director of amateur scouting and um yeah it's going to be interesting to see if the canucks drafting drops off it's going to be interesting to see how big a, a voice bracket had at that table and how much he supplemented the work of the general manager jim benning and the uh and the amateur scouts spread out across the world i was telling the listeners and, and the state of hoppy here that based on what i've you know noticed listen to to you and your show um you know everything that i've learned about judd brackett throughout his tenure here in, in vancouver i think it was a great pickup by billy garen and the minnesota wild because they had to they had to solidify their 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 drafting team anyways matt because you know since paul fenton was let go last year his son pj was still kept around because he was doing outstanding work but they didn't have someone heading the department i think this was a great hire for everything that you just said and also based on uh, based on what i've seen and you you brought up adam godet just quickly but before we continue can you speak on adam godet a little bit because i bring his name up often here on the soda pod obviously being a vancouver guy i'm familiar with him but even last week the state of hobby was like oh i didn't realize like he was he was that good in the way that you were describing yeah. his play. I think that he's, you know, he's risen further than Jake Vertanen has in a couple of years uh, without being a pro. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, he's a nice hockey player. He's got a lot of things going on for him. He can play center. Um, ultimately, I think he's going to score a little bit more than what he's shown to date. As you mentioned, he's young. He's on a nice trajectory there. Uh, I think he's got, potential as a defensive forward as well uh going forward um so i, I think you know i think uh former hobie baker winner it's his first time in the stanley cup playoffs and he's not even in the playoffs yet he's in the <laughs> play-ins um and that's the same as a lot of young canucks hockey players mm. um so he's one of an inexperienced bu bunch you mentioned Vertanen as well he's on that list and, of course, some of their best players, some of their absolute uh, stars, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, have yet to be to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think, you know, uh, we can pull God out, out, Godet out and ask uh, about the player himself. But, you know, I think this series is maybe decided at a higher level than Adam Godet. Maybe not. You know, maybe it's nip and tuck all the way down to the end. Uh, and you're looking at a bottom six forward who's going to, going to make the difference here but uh you know for me the interesting part of this series coming up is the goaltenders the young young uh canucks players and their first go through the stanley cup playoffs and of course you know what minnesota had going on under dean evison before uh before the the covid break started yeah, absolutely. And before we kind of dive into a little bit more of this series, I just want to, I just want to clear some things up here because you did mention that, you know, Judd Brackett was responsible or one of the people responsible for bringing in Brock Besser in the draft. Let's clear some things up here right now in regards to uh, the report that, uh, that you dropped in regards to Brock Besser's name in trade talks. Now we made it very clear on this podcast that he is not on the trade block. His name was bantered in trade talks various minnesota fans do not understand matt why the canucks want to trade away a young nhl goal scorer i tried to explain it you know with the perspective of you know the, just kind of putting on the cap lenses um but can you speak to it on on the matter because i know i know it starts and ends with jim benning and free agency and you being the one who reported it you can speak on it uh, more so than i can well, I, first of all, I think Vancouver fans were as surprised as Minnesota fans were. <laughs> <laughs> all hell broke um, loose. 
Yeah. <laughs> Boy, if you thought Minnesota was wondering, you should have seen BC. Um, <laughs> look, uh, my understanding is the teams have called about Besser in the past and haven't necessarily been told no. You have untouchables on a team, and Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes would be that. Uh, you have guys who are mostly untouchable, but if certain things were to happen, you have to be forced to put them or think about putting them into play. Um, the Vancouver Canucks have a real salary cap problem going forward here. They don't have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot of internal free agents who are big parts of the team and going to command good dollar. And they have a flat cap to deal with over the next few years. Um, Besser is an enormous salary. He's at a position of depth on the wing where they have several good prospects coming as well as some good players uh, already. And, um, you know, ultimately Jim Benning and his group is going to have to make a decision on how it improves its defense core because it only has two defensemen right now that you can absolutely count on as being defensemen for this team in 21-22 season. So, you know, not that far away. Um, you put those things together and you understand that there has been some activity on Besser in the past. It would not surprise me in the least to see Brock Besser being available, whether it's this offseason and if he lasts, you know, through this offseason – at some point going forward, he's got a contract that expires a few years from now and is already pretty lucrative as it is. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks not being able to get him signed to an exceedingly long deal coming out of his entry-level contract and having to do one of these bridge deals, which, uh, you know, are shorter term and create more uncertainty. You know, I think, I, I, I think Besser is going to be in play here very, very soon. And, Frankly, it's a story that's not um, all too familiar to Calgary and Johnny Goudreau. He may be in play uh, this this uh, this offseason as well. So, yeah, no, uh, we reported that a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, as Isha says, it was, uh, I understand, another story that binds the province of British Columbia and the state of Minnesota here heading into this series. It was funny because I, I expected the Minnesota fan base to kind of clamor at the idea of bringing in or glamour at the idea of bringing in Besser to the Minnesota wild and maybe like, you know, throwing trade, uh, uh, you know, trade scenarios out there and whatnot, but the state of hockey or the state of hockey, Matt, I mean, Minnesota fans are as smart as they come and they recognized right away that, you know, Minnesota Wild, they need center depth and they need goaltending. They don't need another scoring winger. They got Kaprizov coming. They got Kevin Fiala emerging. And though perhaps a Brodeen and Dumba may be the perfect fit on the Vancouver side in like a one-for-one -one type deal, the Minnesota, I don't think the Minnesota Wild have any interest in bringing in Brock Besser. And that's for the Minnesota Wilds to answer. But Brock Besser, of course, is a Minnesotan. And... Um, yeah, uh, I think there's always a poll for a hometown team to bring back a hometown player. And, of course, you know, uh, the players you mentioned on the wing, perhaps he replaces one of them and they flip one of those guys for a centerman. I mean, nowhere in the story did I say, hey, look, the Minnesota Wild have been one of the teams that have inquired about Besser before. 
uh, people started putting it together. I see why they started putting it mm-hmm. together. You're telling me it's not to be the case, Isha? Then I will take that to the bank. <laughs> All right. And I'll make sure to point that out uh, the next time we do a show on Brock Besser and trade possibilities. <laughs> I do find it funny that Isha is speaking for the state of Minnesota, both on this podcast and in a general sense, by the sounds of it. I just, I, I have a big mouth and I'm verbose. What can I say? <laughs> not at all shocking, I, Matt. Not at all shocking. <laughs> but to transition back, I guess, a little bit more to the series here between the Canucks and the Wild. You know, if the Canucks were to lose this play-in series, which, you know, Isha and I are kind of on flip sides of this. He thinks Minnesota's going to win, and I think Vancouver's going to win. But if things go wrong for the Canucks, what do you expect the storyline or storylines to be for why that happens? Uh, well, I mean, clearly goaltending in any hockey game is important. It's particularly important in the postseason And I would think that if the Vancouver Canucks lose this series, it's probably going to have something to do with the fact that they were out goaltended by the Minnesota Wild. Um, You guys are going to have to tell me who's going to start goal for the Wild. And if we're going to see two goaltenders during the course of the series, I think that might be where the smart money is at. We might see three, Matt. I'm not even joking. Yeah, it's very (laughs) possible, Matt. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go. Like, do you go with Kokkinen, who proved himself in the AHL, had five solid games at the NHL level, and, like, being used to AHL caliber shots isn't an issue now because they've all had the same off time. You've got Devin Dubnik, who's shown he can do it in the past, but, you know, obviously his issue this year came down to a personal matter with his wife's health. Now that that's resolved and he's had a couple months here to reset and maybe he comes back in and resumes as normal. And you know what, Alex Stalock, he's not Markstrom by any stretch, but he wasn't playing horribly for that last stretch before we came to this break. So I don't know who the right answer is, but any of them could be horrendous or could be our saviors. We really don't know. I, uh, you know, as you're sitting there describing this, I started thinking to myself, how many times I've seen a team use three goaltenders in a playoff series and win that playoff series. I can think of one. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh a few years ago. What? Zatkoff. Zatkoff, Murray, Murray and Flurry. Flurry yep. Right? Yeah. Okay. So there we go. There's one. Now you tell me too. Um, That's the only one I had. Minnesota so 2020. I would, you, I would suspect you want to settle on a goaltender. I would suspect you probably have one crack at it in a best of five. Right. Pull who you thought would be your starter by starting him in game one and replacing him and still have a chance to win the series. But I don't know. Maybe you get two. That'd be a hell of a story. Uh, Especially in a five-game series, yeah. not a seven-game, right? That, I mean, well, that's, that's another like added layer. Yeah. Two nothing. Makes it a lot tougher. Series. Boy, uh, you got you got a long way to go. So, uh, so I suspect goaltending. You know, I here's the other thing, guys. Like, I first and foremost, this series is going to separate who's a pro and who isn't a pro. Exactly. Who, who's who's been staying in shape, keeping up with the work, doing everything they need to do to be a better hockey player, uh, taking advantage of their time and hours, and isn't daunted by this just uh, by, by this. Uh, by this system they've thrown before them, all the changes, all the isolation, all the rules, you know, it's, it's basically going to decide like who's got sort of the, the fortitude as a mm-hmm. competitor to get through what they've thrown up against them here, as well as who had the, 
you know, wherewithal to keep themselves in tip-top hockey shape, maybe even try and improve hockey skill through this long break that they've been given. You know, you ask me what's going to separate these two teams. It's that and it's Golden. So my question off that then, Max, that's a really good point. Does that favor the team in Minnesota that has more veteran presence? Or does that favor a team yeah. like Vancouver where there's obviously a lot more young talent, but you look yeah. at some of their veteran guys, they've gone yeah. a little bit deeper in the playoffs before. They yeah. know what it takes. They know sure. the push that you got to have to get there. And they're the ones that are probably in the ears of everybody in this little break saying, hey, yeah. this is what we got to be doing, yeah. guys. Let's go. Yeah. Well, uh, am I not mistaken? Did Kevin Fiala not shatter every bone in his leg during a playoff run with Nashville? He, sure he did. did that. He, no, like he <laughs> just – he like, so, you know, you got a guy in there who suffered a most traumatic injury uh, battling in the Stanley Cup playoffs for a team that was on a run. Um, no, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's absolutely right. I think there's a real worry here for Travis Green and the Vancouver Canucks that youth is going to be an issue for them. Uh, that inexperience is going to be an issue for them. I also think there's some areas where inexperience and youth can help the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, you know, next week on our show, we're going to be getting into a lot more of the X's and O's of this playoff series because I think that's uh, interesting and that's part of the package here. But I think the overarching, I think the overarching um, concern, storyline, what have you, in this is uh, who used their time wisely and, who can handle this most strange of stages? Yeah, you said it. It is, it is a strange stage. We're living in some strange times. Speaking of the youth, Matt, because I did my due diligence this year and watched every single Minnesota Wild game, I had to make some sacrifices and not watch my hometown team, the Vancouver Canucks. So, poor soul, Isha. Well, I, so, well I, didn't have the, I didn't have the benefit or, I guess, luxury of watching Quinn Hughes much this year, to be perfectly well, honest. Well, but from the here's moment, the good news, Isha. Here's the good news. What's that? If you were going to watch 82 Minnesota Wild game, Better this year than any year of the Jacques Lemaire. All right. I assure you, you got more entertainment out of this wild group than you did in the entirety of Jacques Lemaire's coaching career. You don't like one zero two one games, Matt? Hey, and they were so effective in the Stanley Cup playoffs that I will tip my cap. But dear God, did he make the regular season and to some degree the game boring. Well, okay, you're, you're correct in that sense. But, hey, the first two weeks of the wild season, I was, I was crying myself to sleep with the way that they were playing. I was like, I don't know if I can handle, you know, 70 more games of this. But, Matt, going back to when Quinn Hughes was in college, I mean, the moment I saw him, I was actually uh, sitting with my friend Dylan, who, who you know, my former co-host on, my, on the last podcast that you joined us with. And we were watching Quinn Hughes play in Michigan, and I literally stood up from my seat in amazement because of his skating. Now, I still cannot believe the Vancouver Canucks lucked out in selecting him when they did. As someone who, like I said, covers the, covers the Minnesota Wild, I didn't get to watch much of him this year, but, but you did. How good is he and what makes him so special? Um, and, and who else has had a similar impact in their rookie season as a defenseman in the league? Because I can't think of many in recent years anyways. Even like Eric Carlson wasn't the Eric Carlson that he was when he came out. What's that? Besides Kale McCarr? Yeah, besides... Our- I don't talk about Kale McCarr, okay? (laughs) Soon we're all going to be talking about Kale McCarr, but we're we're also all going to be talking about Quinn Hughes, I think. Um, And, and like, here's the thing. He's a fast skater, but it's not pure speed that separates him as a skater. 
it's acceleration, it's edge work, it's dexterity, agility. Mm. He is just an amazing young man to watch uh, perform the base skill of the sport, skating. And uh, I would I would think with all the lakes in Minnesota, gosh, you got a lot of people watching who understand what I'm talking about here. You know, manipulating that blade uh, on that ice and being able to, you know, keep your eyes up, your torso in the right position, your stick where you want it. He's, he's just uh, a terrific uh, player and he's a terrific compensator for the things that he doesn't have. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the strongest guy in the world. There have been a few occasions this year where just it became a raw power on power inside game and that's not his style but he does a, such a great job of avoiding those sorts of, of situations, playing to his strengths. And, you know, when you ask, what did he do for the Vancouver Canucks? You know, for my money, he is the most valuable Canuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may not have had the best season because they had some guys with terrific seasons, including Jacob Markstrom, including JT Miller. Right. Uh, but he is the most indispensable Vancouver Canuck. Because this isn't, excuse me, this isn't uh, a, an extraordinary blue line by any stretch. Like they are not a flush with defensemen who can move the puck and create offense. So he totally transforms their team. He takes them from a team that is completely deficient on the blue line in terms of what you need in the modern NHL to compete and be successful. And he turns them into a team that on any given night can do that because of his presence as a skater who transports the puck out of his own zone and oftentimes through the neutral and into the other zone, what he does on the power play uh, and, and what he does uh, passing the puck and seeing the ice. So uh, a magnificent talent and uh, one of the game's bright young stars and the Vancouver Canucks are only in this position and I think only have a chance to win because of uh, their tremendous rookie, Quinn Hughes. Um, in, in regards to Quinn Hughes, the last thing I'll say is, and my friend Dylan again po- pointed this out, he said he hadn't seen a better skater since Dennis Savard. Uh, would you agree with that, Matt? Matt? You, know, the, you know what? It's amazing because I'm not actually sure I've ever heard that. And it's a wonderful comparison because of, you know, Savard was so silky smooth, the Savardian spinorama. Who, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, Denise Savard was, uh, um, I mean, he also moved like a figure skater on the ice. It was just so graceful and so beautiful. And Hughes has a little of that too. Very nice. Well, Matt, let's spin a little bit away from the series then and get more into just holistic NHL talk. Uh, I kind of want to get the hot takes here. You know, if you were Gary Bettman for a day, what are the couple of things that you're going to prioritize changing immediately when you take that over? Don't give Matt that much power, by the way. We we can be here all day and all night. I love it. Um, So here's one thing I'd absolutely do, and that is return the winter classic to its glory. Do not flood the market each and every year with outdoor and stadium series games because every owner has their hand out and is squawking about getting their big revenue cow. You had something that was exceedingly special. You outdrew college football games on New Year's Day with Buffalo and Pittsburgh, Sydney in the snow. 
And you went and watered and diluted that thing down to the point now where it's not a national event. It's not a television event. It is a local in-market hockey event. And you have 41 local in-market hockey events a year. And I realize this one's different because that's the football or the baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in my view, that thing could have been so special if drip by drip, you rolled it out each and every New Year's Day and turned it into an addition uh, you know, uh, turn it into uh, uh, to, to turn it into an event that people gathered around once a year, like all of hockey gathered around. And um, if it wasn't just Chicago, Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, yeah, Seattle, no, yeah. like you tell the owners, <laughs> you tell the owners, look, everybody is going to get an outdoor game mm-hmm. over time, but we did Buffalo, Pittsburgh. You know, next year we're going to Boston. The year after that, we're going to Montreal. Then we're going to Minnesota. Then we're going to Vancouver. Um, you know, really made it uh, an attraction, right? Uh, it was had a chance to be so special. And uh, now it's just so run-of-the-mill. Uh, and in a short period of time, too. Like, they really they choked the golden goose here when they just should have let, let it lay eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that, that's one thing I do. And the second thing I do is I go to the Winter Olympic Games. I make that a part of my program every four years. It inconveniences really so few people at the end of the day. It's mostly a governor-driven issue. You're not thinking fan. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's the big thing that I would do if I was – like my, my disappointment with the commissioner over the years is he has not been a steward of the game. He has not been a steward – of the sport he's not been a steward of the fans interest mm-hmm. um that's fair he, he, you know he's been a bag man for owners he's gone out and done their bidding and you know frankly um become the boss of them and, and i am quite uh twice uh, there uh, I, I give him full credit for taking <laughs> a job that is you know by definition an employee's role and turning it into i'm the employer you know i'm yeah. in charge of all you the owners uh, <laughs> it was a tremendous power grab, and he wielded the power magnificently in terms of a CEO. I'm sure the NBA crowd approves uh, of Gary Bettman's quarter century in the National Hockey League, but we had three stoppages. We missed an entire season and didn't present the Stanley Cup. When social issues in the game come out, we kick it into USA Hockey's corner. We kick it into Hockey Canada's. Mm corner uh we try and distance ourselves or we come up with catchphrases that aren't really true like hockey is for everyone um i i would have had a little bit more soul in my leadership a little bit more social conscience that's uh, a little bit more and you know people tell me i'm naive on this and i understand it's business first and foremost but i just think he could have struck a better balance and if i you know you make me batman for a day uh I put the fans at the table a little bit more readily than he has. I put the players at the table a little more readily than he has as well. (laughs) No, I like that. And, Matt, I'm going to run you down. I got four that I pound the table for. First two won't happen but are realistic. Second two are fantasies, but I still just want to hear your takes on these. You don't have to go too in-depth. I'll indulge you on on three. (laughs) But uh, the first one for me, I am a huge proponent for this. I understand why it doesn't happen, but I still think it would make a lot of people happy. The three standing points, Olympic style. Yeah. 
Uh, so we're doing three for a regulation win, two for an overtime win or a shootout win, yep. uh, and we're still doing a loser point. Is that it? Uh, yep, the, the one point for overtime for, shootout Overtimer, yeah, okay. Um, I think it's fair. Like, to a degree, I agree with you. I believe it's fairness. Uh, I do believe you should get something additionally to winning a game in – regulation based on winning a game in overtime or the shootout now particularly with what overtime has become right and i love three on three i think it's just amazing hockey but it is the bastardization of of the game as we know it yeah you know, it, you know it can't people tell no me well, the theoretically <laughs> it's possible to happen in a game that you have offsetting penalties each way but you know nobody sees three on three in the first 60 minutes um understand that it's going to chip away at something that the NHL and hockey fans and Gary and the governor's hold near and dear, and that is parody. Yeah, uh, I know that's the big argument against it. I get further. that. You can separate teams a little further. So you're going to have less, you know, races for the, uh, you know, the playoffs or first place or seating and all that. If you're willing to live with that, then I think it's a very fair way to do it. Yeah, and for me, it's more that I, I feel like that's the participation trophy narrative. I get why Gary Bettman wants parity to keep more people interested, but there's also teams that are being kept in that maybe shouldn't, but I, I totally get both sides of that. The other one that's maybe realistic that I don't think the players want, but um, that three-on-three, like you said, strange approach. It's still fun to watch. Give us eight or ten minutes of that instead of five yeah. before going to the shootout. A hundred percent agree. I'm all for that. Uh, theoretically, again, I'm absolutely with you. Once you get beyond five minutes of three on three, I think the uh, aim of the National Hockey League and its member clubs is to get the game over as soon as possible. Yeah. Teams are on road trips. They have flights to catch. They have airport deadlines to meet. They oftentimes get into hotels two, three, four in the morning. Uh, and of course you got television windows that are forever shrinking at that point as well. So yeah, theoretically I'm with you again. There is reason and logic why they do it as they do it. I wish I had the stats in front of me that showed how many games actually went, you know, to the shootout because uh, I don't know uh, off the top of my head. I figure that it's probably three on three has reduced that. right? Well, exactly. Exactly, which is why, like, a minute or two extra, if they just allowed it to go, say they yeah. put 10 minutes there, is it's not going to go 10 minutes. I, I, it can't go that 10 minutes. It can, and it will. <laughs> Murphy's Law and Hockey. The sample size is big enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it will. They play a lot of games uh, each and every year. It's not just your team. It's every other team. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, you give it enough opportunity, you're going to have the 10-minute expiration as well. But the other thing, fellas, is, you know, beyond five minutes, because five minutes I, I almost feel is per perfect in that you're playing your best players. We're seeing the show of great offensive players handle the puck with all that space. We don't typically have to dip into the plumbers and the defenders oh, that's a good uh, point. to get through our five minutes. Okay. So we're either doing that in the second five minutes or we're really leaning on our stars – and perhaps taxing them even more so for the next night's game or the next week's game, or by the time we get around to the playoffs and they played X more minutes of hockey. Okay. Over the course of the year. Well, Matt, I'll submit on that one then. The reason for me is that they ruined the shootout for me because they happen every goddamn night. But all right, I'm holding strong on three standing points. You win on 
the overtime. Here's my two abstract ones that will never happen, but I'd still love to see. Playoff format. Choose your playoff opponent for the top four seeds. Gimmicky. Hate it. Hate it. Gimmicky. Hate it. think one of the great things about the Stanley Cup playoffs is the rivalries that develop. And, you know, frankly, we're back to division now, and I do like the outside of this playing round. Of course, Mm -hmm. we're back to mostly division playoffs now, uh, and I get why they did it, and I like that um, to a degree. But I thought conference rivalries gave you something as well. Like I, I didn't. They may have been imperfect, but they were very, very good conference rivalries. I thought as well. So, uh, no, I, I think the Stanley Cup playoffs is about as good as it can be in terms of the way they've got a structure. And I also think it's just this, you know, it's it's got the most, you know, uh, what's the word on it? It's the most sacrosanct elements of the sport four set you know four best of seven rounds to lift this great trophy that nobody else can uh you know the best trophy in sport for some people but uh one of the most distinctive trophies the world over so i would not want to do anything to turn that into a bit of a uh game show i get that so I'll, i'll agree with gimmicky matt i'll agree with conference rivals this is coming from me and Isha, both having rooting interests in the Capitals and the Penguins. There's several years that that should be the conference final matchup, and we're getting it earlier. You know, I, I don't like well, and the that's way the great that the thing about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Number one, uh, anything can happen. We saw a hundred and what was Tampa twenty eight hundred thirty point team, however ridiculous it was, lose yeah. to Columbus in the first round. Um, Secondly, at least you're getting it. You know, like you get it in the mm-hmm. second round, you get it. Like yep, the winner yeah. gets to go on. Sure, it's not. To I've made that argument piece. too. All right, I like it. <laughs> but um, there's no guarantees you're going to get it in the, in the conference final year in year out. Uh, you know, it's not okay. the expectant here. The the Stanley Cup playoffs reward the victors. And uh, no, I mean I'm with you so in this regard, guys. Like. Um, I think it's unfortunate sometimes when we see like two of the three best teams playing in the first round or third round or, or something like that. To, to, to me, it's not always fairness, but I do think that, uh, uh, I do think that again, throwing, it's not a game show, you know, let's not yeah. throw gimmicks up here. Like, I don't see a yodeler going up a hill if I get the price <laughs> right. So, well, you're, you're probably going to hate this next one then Matt. I'll also <laughs> note on the playoff opponent, but this is one that I absolutely he love. Shot, is this guy from Minnesota or is he from like Nashville? Or, <laughs> like, he's, he's a Pittsburgh well, fan too, believe it or not. I'm, I'm from Minnesota, which means I'm drinking good beer right now. And it's got me uh, going off the rails a little bit. Because you're um, drinking imported beer so, across the border. <laughs> <laughs> so this last one, last I don't one. know if you're familiar, Matt. Did you hear several years back what Shane Doan's recommendation was for solving the draft lottery? <sighs> refresh my memory. I, I I'll refresh your memory we do a lot I of love this. So Shane Doan's Uh-oh. suggestion that was as soon as a team is mathematically eliminated from yeah. the playoffs – Moving yeah. forward, every win they get is yeah. a point towards being that first overall pick. So, obviously, Correct. the sooner you're eliminated, the sooner you have time to accumulate points. It's still fair because the better teams, even though they're going to last longer, they're going to yeah. accumulate more points at the end. What are your thoughts overall? 
Yeah, I think that has some merit. And I think we have finally identified a problem in need of a solution, Minnesota. Uh, because for my money, uh, we are so paranoid of tanking in the National Hockey League. Now, so much so that we make it really, really hard for legitimately horrible teams like Detroit this year. Blame Buffalo, man. First Blame overall. Buffalo. Yeah, no, like, are we that scared of what Buffalo tried to do? And let's remember, <laughs> did not succeed. It didn't work. <laughs> but that's because Dude, of no, the but like, This is so Batman. Like, just the, he took such a great offense that someone from within would try and, uh, you know, attack his his system that he had designed and that they thought was so <laughs> impenetrable um, th that he turned on his own. He turned on his weakest. And he was like, you know what? This young one, they can't, they can't fend for themselves in the wild. No pun intended. We'll just throw them in the walls. We'll move on and leave behind. No. Um, we, we need to start rewarding the truly – poor of the poor maybe this is the canadian in me we do health care <laughs> up here you may have heard of it um public universal free health care i should you know maybe this is the canadian in me saying we need to reward our most vulnerable citizens or we need to you know safeguard them to some degree uh so knowing that the vancouver canucks have never advanced in this draft lottery knowing that the arizona coyotes have never had luck in this draft lottery knowing sometimes we have given the Edmonton Oilers as many first overalls, the New Jersey Devils as many first overalls as they've got. Uh, I, I do think we need to tweak the draft lottery system and how we reward first overall. And Shout out uh, Taylor Hall, by the way. I, I, so what I would do, what I would start with is I'd at least dial it back a little bit and, and give the bottom three a much better chance than what they have now of picking top three. And if that didn't work, I'd certainly be willing to listen to the don't, the Shane don't system. Love it. So uh, this is my last uh, point I want to bring forth, Matt, and then State of Hoppy will we'll wrap things up here. And I know we could probably talk about this all night as well, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you because it is, uh, well, it is topical right now. Um, we had Donnie uh, uh, Nadeau on the podcast recently who uh, spoke on the subject of logo changes and racism in sports. He was part of um, the St. Mary's NCAA team who are now the Cardinals. Is that correct, State of Hoppy? Yep, they transitioned from the Red Men to the Cardinals. And so when he was playing, and now he, he works within uh, that school, he was part of that entire process and saw everything from the ground. So we brought him on to speak uh, towards that a couple of weeks back. I mean, I work in the VIJHL here on the island and for many years now. And upon hearing um, the Saanich Club's owner coming on your show, I was happy to hear of their decision. I think it's, it's long overdue and embarrassing that now the Washington NFL Club is finally taking action. And I think that the Cleveland MLB team should follow suit as well as you know SFU of the U Sports up here in Canada. With, with news of the Edmonton CFL Club, now uh, changing their name. Um, I want to open up this topic to you. With the names above, the teams are either, well, let, let's be honest, the terms are racist at their core or inappropriate with what now we understand hearing from the Indigenous people in this day and age. But what about the Chicago Blackhawks, Matt? Because that man in the picture, from what I know about doing personal research, and I may be 
naive still, but also talking to various indiv individuals within various indigenous groups, both in Canada and the U.S., that logo is presented not in not in a fashion of disrespect, but but honor. And maybe we're not the right people to be talking about this, but I would just love to hear your opinion on it. Well, the Chicago Blackhawks, as uh, their fans will tell you, were named after an infantry division. So after a military unit um, of the original owner. And um, that unit's logo was a bird. And for whatever reason, um, the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, or the organization at large, decided to use that logo. And I must say, um, for many, many, many years, I thought it was the, the best logo. In it's the beautiful. NHL it's beautiful. Um, it still know, is. It's a tremendous piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, uh, they haven't, you know, gone about trying to, change it or alter it over the years it has sort of you know stood um which is to me a big part of the logo right like mm -hmm. it should something be something that stands the test of time of course you know you see it on the uh, ice at the united center of the chicago stadium before it was intimidating or, or at least it you know it gave uh, it demarked you know mm -hmm. chicago hockey uh and all the uh, fine players particularly the ones they have now um here's the thing uh, as much as attitudes change, cultures change. Yeah. Words change. Uh, understanding changes. Yeah. We should listen to people who say, that is a depiction of me. That is a depiction mm -hmm. of my ancestors. Um, we don't have any sovereignty over that. We don't have any say. We don't have any purview. You're taking it and using it for your own devices. And we don't like that. Um, we should try and be sensitive. We should try and be understanding. Mm -hmm. We should try and be accommodating. We're trying to bring people into the tent. We're saying that this team, whether its name is Wild or Canuck or Blackhawk, uh, stands for civic pride. Bringing disparate citizens beside each other to express civic pride through sport. Bringing them together. Yeah. So if that's everything that sports and teams and their trademarks and their logos and fandom should do, um, then I think we have to listen to everybody who would be uh, a party to that, everybody who wants in on that discussion. Because I do think we have a chance. Um, first of all, guys, this is an extraordinary time. Like you rattled off, Isha, Washington football. Uh, apparently, Cleveland baseball had a big meeting today. There's the Edmonton football team up here. But a state of hockey will tell you, this is nothing new in the United States no. at the university and at the university collegiate and high school level for years, right? Uh, like, I grew up back east. St. John's was the Redmen when Chris Mullen played there. Now they're the Red Storm. Syracuse was the Orangemen. Uh, now they're the Orange. Uh, Marquette was the Warriors. Now they're the Golden Eagles. And on and on and on and, uh, mm -hmm. it went with teams. You know, in 1975, Stanford were the Indians and changed to Cardinals. So we're nearly 50 years, I think, into this debate to some degree. And we've seen a flurry of activity here in the last little while. But I think there's good reason for that. I think there's, and I think that reason is that a broader society is listening to historically oppressed people 
is listening to Indigenous, Aboriginal, First Nations people and um, trying to educate themselves and trying to do a better job of understanding, even if one can't, at least from the position of a, a white male like me, 100% understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I, pr- I appreciate you sharing that. Awesome. And to tie it off here, Matt, you know, we definitely don't need to get into a, a, political, a political discussion by any means here, just wrapping up the questions. But generally speaking, you know, between... <laughs> let, me, let me guess, yeah, because you already said participation ribbons, right? Well, between our president that, and how and COVID-19 has been going for us, I just need to know how me. often you find yourself laughing at us Americans in general. Well, fr- I wish it was laughing. I wish it was laughing recently. Well, tears I, then. I really Either do. Way. I really <laughs> you do. find yourself like, emotional by what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm beyond laughing now. <laughs> I'm tired of winning. Mm-hmm. I'm really tired of this kind of winning. Uh, I told you I was at 42, 43 states, something like that. I had the great fortune to travel your country. Incredible people. My girlfriend hadn't been to the United States since she was a little kid until about five years ago or so. And uh, we went down to Los Angeles and uh, spent some time there on a hockey trip. And shortly thereafter, we went to Hawaii. And then shortly thereafter, we went to Seattle. And then shortly thereafter, we went to Miami. And um, so we got a, not a total cross section of the U.S., but, and she couldn't believe how friendly Americans were. She was a little intimidated. You know, Canadians, you sleep by the elephant, you get a little intimidated. <laughs> um, so she was, she's like, Americans are nicer than us. And I said, yeah, yeah, they are. They're more friendly. Uh, I have never been in a U.S. hotel bar and not had a conversation with the bartender, with my seatmate. And granted, these might have been in simpler, more innocent times. Mm -hmm. But if politics did come up, it was dealt with civilly when there were differing views. Um, It was dealt with in a compassionate way. You know, like, I want to hear you out. I want to hear you. Maybe in a humorous way. But it wasn't dealt with in a mean-spirited way. Um, So, you know, I say it all the time. uh, Americans are some of my most favorite people in the world. Uh, I have had tremendous experiences in the country. So I, uh, frankly, I find it really sad. I find it troubling. Uh, I'm, I'm beyond laughing uh, at what I see these days in the States. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I was in Florida in late February, early March. We got on the plane to come back. COVID was a thing at that point, or just about to be a thing. And uh, we knew we weren't going to be in the States again for some time. Uh, And we're sitting here five months later. And uh, I still know I'm not going to be in the States for some time. And right now, that's because of a border closure. Uh, and at some point, it might be because of an ongoing pandemic. And uh, I really like traveling and visiting the United States. But I'm resigned to the fact that with everything that's going on now, it is going to be a while before I'm back there. And that makes me sad. 
Yeah, me too, Matt. Is like I'm I'm actually half American, so for me, there's a familial aspect to it. You know, I'm I'm kind of forced now. You know, there's a barrier between me and my, some of my family, but it is sad. And I kind of, I feel the same way with everything that's going on. You know, my, my mother, she doesn't even like to follow the media anymore because she feels almost ashamed of, of her heritage. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's some crazy times and um, it, it, sad is the best way to put it. Lastly here, I want to say um, we've, you've given us so much of your time and I really appreciate that, Matt. Um, we had actually Andrew Wadden on the show a few weeks back. I got, I got to bring on Blake soon to complete the hat trick. But uh, what do you guys come on, What do you guys have coming up on your show here? I've promoted your show even in podcast form, especially when uh, the likes of Michael Russo come up and you guys, you know, get into some wild talk. Uh, I direct the the listeners to your guys' podcast. Well, what do you guys got coming up on the show? So if we're talking tomorrow, and I'm not sure when people are going to see this, but. Uh, Seattle's apparently the name of their NHL team. So we're going to listen, you know, we're going to be all over that. Uh, needless to say, next week, we're going to look at Canucks Wilds and this play-in series. Um, because we got hockey coming back. And the Canucks yes, Wilds are both going to be in Edmonton in the Western Hub. And we sure hope everything goes well in the first couple of days of that, because that's another big test for the league and the players and how they're going to get through this. Um, but yeah, like next week we're back to like we got a pregame show next Friday. That's How crazy tremendous. is that? We got a pregame show, really. So in uh, July, <laughs> in July, let's go hockey day, hockey night in Canada. So uh, yeah, that's what we got coming up. And uh, you know, Ferraro's back. Ray Ferraro's back from vacation next week, so we're gonna be talking to Ray a whole bunch, and we're gonna be unpacking a playoff series. You know. Uh, I say it uh, late March, April, there is nothing like a Canadian city. And frankly, the Twin Cities would qualify on this. Yeah, uh, they can empathize. Yeah, absolutely. There is nothing like a Canadian city when the local NHL team is in the Stanley Cup playoffs and making a run. There is a crackle, an electricity, a spirit across town that very few things are able to replicate, right? Like, I don't care what concerts come into your town and how many people are going. There's no way it's going to bring as many people to the campfire no. uh, as a great playoff series in sports. So, you know, we don't have that this year because we're all in this single location. I think this series is going to miss some of the escapism and normalcy of a typical Stanley Cup playoff series. But, <laughs> hey, we got uh, Stanley Cup play in hockey. Uh, starting next weekend. So we are going to enjoy it. We are going to bathe in that, Isha. Okay? Yes, we're, we're yes we bath. are. We're going to bathe. We are. Uh, because it has been a far, far, far too long period of time since we've been able to do that. You know what? Like ba- back in April, I-, I-, I turned 27. And usually in April, that like my birthday is, I get, to watch, I get to watch playoffs on my birthday. And this year, it felt so weird that there was no playoffs starting in April. I'm, you- you're- your energy, you're getting me pumped up right now, man. I'm so excited yeah, for well, this. Well, here's your 27, Isha. So you haven't seen playoffs for your Canucks since like 23, right? Like that's, where <laughs> that's the other thing. It's crazy. So here in the city of Vancouver, like we haven't had this in a half decade, right? Like yeah, no. children have been born and gone to school since we last played a playoff game involving the Vancouver Canucks. So, um, you know, I know Minnesota's a little bit more accustomed to a playoff game in the last half decade. Uh, Just but it's one series like usually, though. It's not like the Wild have actually, you know, have put a scare into a bunch of teams that had a great run. So that opportunity starts for this club with a new uh, – 
coach and what a great story that's been. Uh, and they got a chance to do that. So, hey, all this is going to roll out and we're going to have uh, great fun watching it. And, fellas, I thank you for the time and the opportunity to be on the podcast. It's the first time I've done a Minnesota uh, podcast or anything like that. So thank you for taking uh, me and our message uh, south of the border. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. After speaking on radio for a few hours already, uh, we look forward to catching up again down the road. And, hey, we got Russo lined up for a couple of weeks, so I may have to message you for uh, – for some uh, some tips uh, in regards to some questions to fire out of it. Well, I'll, I'll say this: if you got Russo coming on, then you know I was simply the appetizer, oh. and you've got the entree coming on. You've got the biggest name in state of Minnesota, in the state of hockey coming on because uh, Russo has does such an amazing job on that beat. Is such an enormous hockey fan. You can ask him this question. You can okay. play it. Play this one. I will. Because the first okay. time I met Mike Russo. He was at the Sun Sentinel in South Florida. Yeah. He was covering the Florida Panthers. Um, he looked different than he, what he looks today. And he was sitting there in a debate with head, quote, head coach Dwayne Sutter telling him, no, Dwayne, my job as an independent reporter on your beat is not to promote the club and the sport in yes. South Florida. I am covering your team. I want to know what's going on here, what's going on here. And uh, a few months later, I went back to South Florida. Dwayne Sutter was no longer the coach. Mike Keenan was. <laughs> but Mike Russo was still there. And Mike Russo moved from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to the cold of Minnesota because he loved him some hockey and wanted to cover hockey. And I always, I always tell him, I go, Mike, I moved from Ottawa to Vancouver. You're supposed to move up in the world <laughs> in weather, right, in sunshine or warmth. And still cover hockey. Uh, he did the opposite thing. And uh, he's just totally devoted to the game and to the beat and to reporting. And he's one of my favorite guys out there in hockey media. No, he's one of our favorites too. But Matt, you're, you're too humble because you're one of the best in Vancouver. And it's been an honor for me, you know, growing up, being able to listen to you on the airwaves and now to talk to you uh, in person and network. So again, thank you so much, Matt. We'll leave it at that and uh, have a good evening. All right. I'm Corey Francha. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game. This game, is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melting? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks again, Matt. You gave us more time than I expected, um, and it was it, it was awesome. I mean, I told the state of Hoppy that this guy was a character, and that he have a, that he would have a lot of fun, especially with the uh, <laughs> the Gary Bettman question. You saw, I kind of came in there and said, "Okay, well, don't give Matt too much power here, because he's known uh, he's known throughout the radio station as uh, put it this way, he likes having the last word." I mean, he has good words, so it's okay. He has some of the best words out there, actually. I mean, he, uh, cum laude in his, he, uh, <laughs> he turned me on a couple of my, a couple of my arguments, but there's a few that I'm still strong on. 
Yeah, no, he's great. Uh, again, thanks, Matt. Um, so I, I don't know. I, the, the two things I wanted to bring up here, and if you want to talk about anything else before we conclude, uh, Hoppy, you can, you can go ahead and suggest that. But instead of running down all the awards, because we ran down all the playoff series or the play-in series, and I, and I think we give you know, some, some valid points, and I think it's entertaining for those who listen to us to either agree or disagree and then you know, gives them room to interact with us on social media. In regards to the awards, who gives a shit? But I do have a qualm with one, and I will actually edit in some audio from the Habs Nightly podcast because Mason Dixon and the Bayou Benders had some hilarious words to say on this. So for the Lady Bing, I have, I have an issue with this, State of Hoppy. How the <laughs> hell is, uh, is Austin Matthews a finalist for the Lady Bing coming off? Now, I don't think he was officially charged, but coming off, Coming off some controversy last offseason where, if I'm not mistaken, he, uh, he flashed his ass at a female, uh, a female security guard or, or a police officer. I don't, and I know it's, this is based on the season, but there's, there, there must have been some better candidates than fucking Austin Matthews. This is clearly, and this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I will say, but clearly the league having to give some award mention to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Am I, am I wrong? I can't confirm or deny. Okay, well, what? Where's your heart? Do you like did mm. this? Did you roll your eyes at this? I mean, Austin, are you kidding me? No, I'm not saying he's honestly. Like, I'm not I, saying I the think they got exactly character. what they wanted, Isha. They got what they wanted. We're talking about it right now. No one talks wow. about the Lady Bing. He has the numbers that, like, sure, he makes sense as Lady Bing candidate. He has very low penalty minutes, and he is a fucking stud. And everyone's talking about it, and they probably knew that. I hate it. I fell right for. I fell right into their arms, didn't I? <laughs> what did uh, Mason Dixon calls him Captain Underpants? I love it. He's <laughs> <You're> giving <laughs> Captain Underpants the fucking Lady Big nomination, and he also says, "And uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who?" And this is Mason Dixon talking here. I'll run the clip. And then we got fucking Captain Underpants Austin Matthews here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, most gentlemanly player. Let me just fucking flash a female cop. That makes sense. And Ryan O'Reilly, like, I, I have no issue with Ryan O'Reilly, but I seem to recall he drove his goddamn truck into a Tim Hortons a few years ago. <laughs> like, what is the NHL fucking come to, man? I get that. That's honestly a better argument than the Matthews one, in my opinion. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I just roll my eyes because, again, it's Toronto. The league needed... I guess they needed someone to talk about it, some people to talk about it, and I'm talking about it, so I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. But I rolled my eyes, and it, quite frankly, it was just kind of like, what the fuck? That's okay, man. People are going to think that I'm, you know, trying to pump Kool-Aid their way, too, as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins go. But I have two arguments that are Penguins-based, in a way. Okay. And one of them I can say with absolute certainty, I would argue whether or not I was a Penguins fan. The other one, yeah, maybe not. So I'll start <laughs> with the one that's more fringe, and that's with the heart. You look at the amount of heart nominations and victories that Crosby and Malkin have versus what they maybe deserve. And it's purely based on the fact that people think that them playing together diminishes their ability to win a heart trophy i get it that's fair whatever if that's your argument i'll accept it but to then come through and say that dry deserves it 
when he is working with McDavid is kind of bullshit. Hey, well, that's my opinion. He didn't play with McDavid for most of the season. So there is Why does that. that matter. Crosby never plays with Malkin. Fair, fair enough. It's the fair fact enough. that they're carrying the team together. That is true. That is they true. They play together way more than Crosby and Malkin ever have. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to contest you in that. That's regard, my argument. Man. I think McKinnon I like should run away with this yeah. award. No, you no know what? Questions I like it. asked. You hear that John and Kyle? I fucking love it. Step aside. And we're not even talking about Kaprizov here. Yeah, I'm, I am not trolling right now. I am firmly of the opinion that McKinnon should win it, no questions asked. Agreed. And yes, I don't debate that Drysaddle is a phenomenal player, nor is McDavid. But like, if you're going to use the argument against Crosby and Malkin in their prime that they shouldn't win because they're playing together, why the fuck would Drysaddle or McDavid be nominated? It just doesn't make sense to me. Hey. You know what? It doesn't make sense to me either. I like but it. But the big one, so that one, that one's more Penguin biased. This one, I firmly believe, based on this season, you look at the coaches this year, Tortorella should run away with I was just going to say. Tortorella should run away with this one, no question. I'm not arguing for Sullivan to win over him, but to not be nominated over a guy that – Coming off of a Stanley Cup final appearance, has a Vesna nominee, has the players that they have, the best first line in the league, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me when Mike Sullivan has, again, great players. Look at the man game's loss to injury. Their best defensive defenseman, Dumoulin, lost for a lot of games. Crosby out for a chunk of the season. Malkin lost for a chunk of the season. Gensel, who was pacing them in points, misses half the season. Yeah. This is a team that needed coaching to get through what they got through. And I get the argument. Everyone says, oh, February sucked, and that's why he's not in it. Fine, whatever. But you don't need to have the guy who literally takes one of the best teams in the league brings them back in as another great team. Like, it's not comparable to what Tampa did last year. I get being a record-breaking team Mm -hmm. and being in that discussion. Makes sense. Like, it's not like they were world beaters. They were definitely the best team when the season came to an end before the pause, but I, I just don't see why he would be in. I think Mike Sullivan's the number three. I don't think he beats the other two candidates. I think Vigneault did a great job with what he had there in Philadelphia, especially rallying them past Pittsburgh in the second half of the year. And Tortorella deserves all mention for losing the players they lost and having pretty significant injuries throughout the year and pushing the team into a position where they could have made the playoffs even if there wasn't a play-in scenario. Like, they were kind of juggling that. He should be the winner. And Sullivan should at least be in the discussion. Hey, That's I, my take. I, I like that you brought Sullivan, you know, as a P- Pittsburgh Penguins fan, even that you brought him into the, into this conversation. Cause you're so right. I don't know why Bruce Cassidy is there because this Boston Bruins team, they were not the Tampa Bay lightning of last year, like you said, but I will push back on Alan Vigneault. I love Alan Vigneault. As you, as you know, I'm a Vancouver Canucks guy and the, t- the, the best Vancouver Canucks team that I can remember in my lifetime was <laughs> coached by Alain Vigneault. Now, do I think he deserves the Jack Adams nominee? 
absolutely not. You said you think it's impressive what he did with the team he has in Philly. I think that damn right he should have brought what this out of Philly. I think that if anything, Philly should have performed even better. Now I know they were on a fucking heater going into the pause, but starting out of the gate, they weren't that good. You know, they, they you look at all the new pieces they brought in though, and you look at a team that this is looking historically because again, Cassidy had a team that he took to the finals. Then brought back this year with really no changes yeah, and did exactly Cassidy, what was expected. I don't care about Ca- Vigneault. No, no, I know, but I'm saying in comparison, Vigneault, new coach, has a team that historically has underperformed and very much underwhelmed their fans. This is a team that came in, got into that round robin that, like, really, they shouldn't be ahead of Pittsburgh. And, yeah, there's injuries, whatever, but – he did what he needed to with that team, especially when the opportunity presented itself, jolted them through to making that round robin. I'm not saying he should win, but I, I do think that he warrants the consideration at least. Like who, right. okay, we're, we're both in agreement that Cassidy's out and Sullivan's in. Who do you put in over Vigneault? That's well, my hold, question. Hold on. Before we get to that though, I want to say like, I don't think awarding a guy for bringing what was expected out of his team. I, I don't think that that merits any sort of award. You know what I mean? Did, or, or a nomination. Where, where, where did you put the Flyers preseason? That's my question. I, I put them in the playoff picture. Not outstanding. Not, not you know, below that. And that's kind of where they are. And to award Alain Vigneault for doing that. Again, I, I think he did a great job with this team to the points that you said. There's a lot of new pieces and they still were able right. to do well. Um, with a young goalie who's outstanding. He's a world beater. I saw him play in Everett many times when he was in the WHL, when he played the Victoria Royals here on the Island. But I just don't, again, if we're, if we're going to, so, if we're going to talk about it. I, I hate the Flyers. My brother is a Flyers fan. He, he argues this, but I believe he's a Flyers fan in spite of me being a Penguins fan. And <laughs> they were playing the last two months before the pause better than any team in the league. I, I know. In my eyes. I know they were. And that's, and that is why I understand the nomination. I do understand your reservations. If you look at the roster, they're very deep. They're a solid team, but the way they were playing and the way they came together, that's why I support it. But I get where you're coming from. And that's why I ask you, okay, I, who I got a name in instead. Fucking Jared Bednar, man. He took this team from the absolute shits to one of the best teams in the West. The fact that Jared Bednar is not included in this when the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche faced as many injuries as they did this year blows my fucking mind. I, I, I have I, no idea I why he's that not one. I accept that one. I also think that he would have been more reasonable this past year, but that's also considering the postseason, so that's kind of hard to say. But no, I, I get that. I would accept it. I, I think even... I think he's on the top of my list. I'm scrolling through them right now, and I'm seeing like... Uh, yeah, no, I think he's the one, to be honest. I think the only other, the only other coach I'd throw into the mix would be Paul Maurice because he got, he got the Winnipeg Jets with the terrible defense. He got them to where they are. But again, that kind of showed that's, I think Hellebuck got that done. Well, then, and he falls into the same category as Vigneault because he got out what he could out of these players. offensively. He's he's one of those guys though, for me, Maurice, that like, he's never going to win that award but he is the guy that should never lose his job. I, I think I he's the most secured coach. If I was a GM with what he's done, he should never go. <laughs> I, I absolutely love Paul Maurice. Not only is, like you said, is he a, 
very consistent and 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 admirable coach he started so young coaching the national hockey league which is awesome to see and he's got some of, he's got the one of the best personalities as a coach and he plays it up in the media i love it i absolutely love it um he's one of the coaches that i would love to interview and meet personally yeah um, um, what i mean what else can we do here man this is the first time that we've actually argued this aggressively on a couple I love topics. It. What it's else can we argue about? Because we just, we've just gone right off script. I fucking love it. <laughs> um, we only got a few more minutes, so do you want to just run down our poll questions? We don't have any discussion questions up, but we do have uh, – we got a beer poll question, and we have uh, – and we have an NHL poll question. There's, there's one more thing before concluding that I will throw at you because we may, we may get heated in that conversation too, but I really want to just run Love down it. the poll questions quick. All right. Well, like you said, this is off script. So let me just pull up the beer poll quick and you can pull up the other poll. Sounds good. I'm literally like scrolling through Twitter as I'm sure you are right now. As Yep, well. I'm there. So again, my parents, God bless their souls, finally decided they were going to buy a cabin up north on beautiful 10 mile lake they closed last weekend but i was at a bachelor party that uh i'm part of the wedding so i couldn't really back out of it and so this is my first weekend going up to the cabin there are two breweries on the highway on the way to the cabin and one that's just past it and uh right now it's a runaway victory for jack pine brewery um but the other two that again with only 24 votes so far, could easily come back. We have Big Axe Brewing Company and Portage Brewing Company. Decent chance that I'll stop at all of them, but I'm only reviewing the one that wins the poll. So So get voting is what he's saying, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. We'll retweet it a couple more times, but you're running out of time here. That's right. Um, The NHL poll question actually caught a bunch of traction this week. Again, we have two poll questions, one beer-related for the winner. State of Hoppy reviews them. And we also have an NHL and or wild baseball question. It could be world hockey too, but we just haven't had a ton of world hockey news to run down. This week, we ask if the Minnesota Wild can sign Alex Galchenyuk to a one or two year contract, what is the most you would pay him annually? $3 million, 2.5, 2 mil, or 1.5? Um, 2 mil is leading the, poll question, leading the poll right now, followed closely behind 2.5. Um, 1.5 does have a decent amount of votes as well, but I think it's trailing just because it's less realistic. 2 million leads at 37% and 2.5 leads at 29%. We got a ton of activity in regards to uh, comments. We'll run that all down on Sunday because state of hoppy. I want to bring this last piece of news that came out uh, right before we started recording here in a little promo video uh, circulating social media and particularly Twitter the Seattle hockey team made it very clear that their team name, which is going to be announced uh, tomorrow, um, today, if you're listening to this podcast, is going to have something to do with fucking fish or a boat, a ferry, perhaps. I doubt that the team is going to be the Seattle Ferries. However, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, I got nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to go with that. Isha's against fairies. Everyone I'm not that. against fairies. I'm against fucking Kraken. I do not <laughs> want them to release the Kraken. Well, hang on. If it's fish-related, it could be the Sockeyes. I hope it's the Sockeyes, but I think there's too many legal ramifications with that because there's a fucking Ultimate know. Frisbee team that I know is going to be suing them. They told me. Hell, they almost jumped on my radio show two years ago to voice their, <laughs> <laughs> to voice their anger. 
I believe this. Take, take your settlement and go away. I like the Steelheads too. I know there's an OHL team named the Steelheads, but that's the fish of the Salish Sea. So I hope that the NHL gets priority with that. I don't think that's going to happen. I love the Sockeyes. I don't know how much pushback there's going to be legally. I was, I think actually Corey from uh, Sporty with Corey and Richie said, uh, I'm, I'd have to do some research on the fly here. Um, but she said that they'd have to buy the rate, the, the rights to the name. Cause it's a book series. That's what it is. And that ah, could be a lot tougher. I just think, tough. I just think, you know, Sakaris, he, he, he brought this towards some of your points there when you were talking about him in regards to gimmicky, I think Kraken, it's too gimmicky. It's a fucking meme. It's a gif. I don't like it. I don't like it. Now I know there's branding opportunities it. with, uh, with the Kraken rum. I don't know if that's Ooh. American or Canadian. I have too many stories with that. Oh, Man, me too. Um, but Isha, Isha, if you could get the actual Johnny Depp himself to be the official mascot for the <laughs> Kraken, dressed up as Jack Sparrow, would you accept? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Fuck that. Ah, no. Thought I had you. Thought I'm I had going you. traditional. I'm going. To, I'm okay. going traditional here. I'm no, gonna... that I I get that, but. To pivot back to polls, I'm a little insulted that you just glossed over the other poll. We've got 93 votes now. Oh, yes, your poll. I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I glanced over that. Yeah. I Does think anyone I... else think it's kind of disrespectful <laughs> that McDavid plans to wear Kaprizov's number in the 2020-2021 season? And it was really funny that it, there were a couple of people that definitely read it the reverse way. But... I definitely worded it in a way that yes and no are still in favor of Kaprizov. And I wish that I had triggered more Oilers fans in the mentions, but a lot of activity and we still got a couple more days to go. We'll yeah. It, it did get a lot of traction. Um, one, one other thing, since we're on this Twitter train here, I like this whole, uh, this Zach Parise thing. Um, and apparently Have it's you happening seen where it came from. No, that's the thing. Cause it started to circulate with Quinn Hughes too. So, so what the hell is the story oh. on this? And then, and then we'll quickly just add, you know, our contributions because I have to say not yeah. to toot my own horn, but mine was fucking awesome. So I don't know for sure if this is where it started, but I saw it from, uh, this lady who is a, a sports personality in Toronto and she was doing it for one of the baseball players for the blue Jays. Okay. And like, Apparently she got it trending. I don't know if she was first or if she got it from someone else, but it was pretty funny and got a lot of people going and pumping it. Then the next one, who was it? There was someone before Zach Parisi. There was another, oh, it was Mitch, Mitch Marner. Marner. Mitch Marner, yeah. Because I posted that Mitch Marner ratted on his boys, and I should have said Mitch Marner ratted on Austin Matthews last summer. <laughs> and he's Snitch Marner. Snitch Marner. Um, what was yours for Zach Parise? Because Zach Parise is an easy one with, with the well, first name Zach. Well, I cheated. Zach. I had two of them, and I wasn't going to use both. But once someone posted one that was related to my second idea, then I posted the second one. So my first one, uh, Zach Parise sacrificed himself by not climbing onto the door with Rose. Jack <laughs> Parise. That's good. That's good. What was your second one? Because this one made me chuckle. So my second one came off of your old boy, Brandon Quast. He said Zach Parisi plays football instead of hockey. He's Zach Parisi. Then I said on top of it, Zach Parisi wants way too much money. Dak Parisi. Ooh, I love it. Um, I said that Zach has returned. He's Mac Parisi. 
Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> um, I'm queuing in that music right now as well. <laughs> um, we got a little bit more uh, uh, activity on Facebook Live. I quickly want to run down here. Thanks to you know the few people who've tuned in and out of Facebook Live. We really appreciate it. You can find the video on YouTube as well as the uh, exclusive interview with Matt Sakaris. Um, Craig Granger, he hopped in right after we talked about Nashville, but I commented and said, hey, I got Smashville in the series against uh, Arizona stand-up. Um, you can obviously probably uh, understand what or guess what he wrote. He wrote Smashville fucking stand-up. Uh, Shane Van Nice said, uh, in regards to our Philly conversation, he said, you're not taking Gritty into account. Well, can't really take Gritty into account when we're talking about the coaches, but... Uh, well, there's also not going to be fans, though, man. Like, he can't beat up any kids if no one's in the building. Well, I'm, I'm actually very curious to see what they do media-wise with Gritty now, because he's obviously going to be involved. <laughs> it could be interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I am excited to see... Uh, him dunking on that nun, though, earlier this season was an absolute piece <laughs> of shit move, I have to say. Um, Shane said he voted for Jack Pine, uh, though he's never been to a brewery. He just voted it because it sounds cool. Um, they appreciate that vote nonetheless. Uh, we got, oh my God, we got fucking Godette. I know that's not how I say your last name, but I'm going to say that anyways. Kyle William Godette. He trolled the fuck out of me in one of the after hours shows. He says, holla at your boy from New Orleans. I said, holla. Um, wow. I can't believe uh, Godette made, a, made an appearance here in the, in the live show. But uh, I don't know, man. That's all I got for tonight. I, I will be a little disappointed if Seattle goes with the Kraken. Quickly, what color schemes do you think they should go with? I, th- I We've saw them. You're not going to like my answer. Oh, God. We've saw them preview the red and black. There's way too much red and black in professional sports and in the National Hockey League. They have to go with the Sonics gold and green. They have to. They have to. No, gold and green's ugly, man. That's Packers. It's also uh, was it uh, the Golden Seals back in the back in the God, 90s. those were great logos though, man. Dude, someone bought from CoolHockey.com/thpn with promo code THPN the mystery box and got a Golden Seals jersey. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. That's no man, so I was sick. ready to support them, and I go onto the website, and lo and behold, they're sold out of the Kachina jersey. So, sorry guys. Soon, soon. They'll be back soon. I'll have to maybe give a text to our friends. But no, I mean, for Seattle, it seems right, and you're going to hate it. I almost want them to, like, do a reverse Vancouver color. Like, Like, same colors, but emphasize the green instead of the blue. Honestly, buddy, I don't even hate it because that those are West Coast colors. If they go anything... West Coast colors, and that's going to be the rivalry. And if they go, yeah, and you know, I don't even hate that. I'm all for that because it pumps up the rivalry. It gets this crazy Vancouver Canucks market talking about, oh, they stole our colors. Fuck them. They're our rival. Hell yeah. Let's fuel that fire because- Are they going to set shit on fire? Uh, Yes, they probably will because that's what (laughs) Vancouver does best. Um, But I don't know. I I still like you because you hate the Packers. You're going to go with you hate those colors. I think that's awesome. Yeah, fuck the Packers. I think it's awesome. Ode to the old- um, the, the Metropolitans, the old Seattle Metropolitans. And I was, you know what? I was, I was, I was arguing for that name too. I think that having the Seattle Metros would be an awesome name in the that National Hockey That would be cool. I know that was one that was discussed. And you know what? If you want to even make it a little different than Vancouver, like you could go more Seattle Seahawks and go like Navy and that neon green. And it's still like similar color scheme, but not the same. Yeah. Craig Granger actually says on Facebook live, go golden Navy, a little best of both worlds. Oh, I like that. I like that, Craig. I think you're onto something there. I think you should tweet the Seattle Twitter account right now and, uh, and tell them 
Y'all, Nashville's about to stand up and you should go with like Golden it. Navy. Navy Blue. No, we know what you're saying, Craig. He said I absolutely murdered Kyle's name too. Um, it's fucking <laughs> Godet, man. He's French as fuck. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think, uh, I think that's all the energy I have. And literally, like, you can see me fidgeting here. I have to piss so bad. Um, I'm two beers in. I haven't left my room in like three hours. Um, I got to piss, man. I got to grab a, another cold one and I got to get editing here because uh, this night just got a few, a uh, few hours longer for me, but no complaints, no complaints. Um, I didn't even run down the sponsors. So we'll quickly do that. Uh, coolhockey.com slash THPN. You can use the promo code THPN for 30 dollars off your next purchase uh if your if your jersey of choice is sold out don't worry uh covid has slowed some things down they are uh restocking very very soon and shout out to all the minnesota fans who uh answered my bat signal to go and use this promo code when buying your career cap caprizov jersey uh they sold out um small medium jerseys on, on the first fucking day so you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can hop on manscaped.com to use our promo code THPN uh, for 20% off. I believe actually state of hoppy. I got a, I got a gift package coming your way. My friend, I got, I got you hooked up with the, with the, uh, with the ball toner cream with the lawnmower 3.0 with some new boxers. I got you hooked up, man. So, uh, so j- just wait and see manscape.com. You can the creator either- of the logo. will love that. <laughs> you can go right into, uh, and that's his, uh, his better half. If, if you folks, uh, listening, didn't know, um, they, you can, you can buy the entire package there and use our promo code for 20% off, or you can just, you know buy just products like their ball toner and or the lawnmower 3.0 regardless thpn plug that in you get 20 percent off uh you can find me on twitter at vi sports talk of course uh the soda pod at the soda pod there's a few more days to chime into our poll questions um where can they find you state of hoppy you can find me at state of hoppy don't forget to check out at HockeyPodNet on all social media. Uh, Instagram, we're going to be kind of revamping it very soon. Obviously, we have more activity on YouTube. Uh, Facebook, we host the Facebook Lives. And on Twitter, where we are most active, we have a ton of contests. We're giving away a signed uh, 18-year-old Sam Bennett. He's not 18 anymore, but those up here in Canada will appreciate that. Uh, we're giving away a signed Sam Bennett puck. We already have a ton of traction on that. We'll be announcing the winner on Monday, so we will pump it one. Uh, we will actually, actually, we won't pump it on the next podcast. So it's good we actually did a podcast here tonight. Go check that out at HockeyPodNet. Uh, you like the post, you follow the network, and you tag two friends. You're automatically entered. I believe we have another signed puck, the last of the few that we got to give away uh, next week. Um, you're gonna want to hear this, so go and uh, follow at HockeyPodNet. Uh, Shane says silver and navy for Seattle to match the sockeyes. You know, if they're going with sockeyes, absolutely, I'm down with that. Thanks to everyone who tuned in on Twitter, on Facebook, um, who tuned into the podcast. And again, big thanks to uh, Matt Sakaris of TSN 1040. Uh, you good, State of Hobby? We're good, man. Signing off, I'm Isha Jerome alongside the State of Hobby. This has been the Soda Pod midweek, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay watching.